Bridge to all decks, and welcome not to a brand new episode of Enterprise Incidents, but to a brand new crossover between Enterprise Incidents and one of my favorite podcasts, The Geek Buddies, for an action-packed spoiler review of the grand finale of Season 3 of Picard. Now, for those of you who don't know, The Geek Buddies, which is hosted by my good friend and partner on The Cinephiles, John Roca, is your one-stop shopping source for all things geek. Their weekly show dives into the latest geeky goodness, from recent trailers and rumors to the big announcements on the MCU, Star Wars, DC, and of course, our favorite, Star Trek. But one of my favorite things on The Geek Buddies are their spoiler reviews, where they've covered everything from Andor and The Last of Us to Game of Thrones and Succession. These are fantastic, in-depth explorations that never fail to point out something I missed about my favorite shows and movies. So, when they started covering the absolutely brilliant season three of Picard, Scott and I were literally busting out of our skin to join them, which we did for the final episode of the series, The Last Generation. This was, without a doubt, an absolutely fantastic conversation. I think it lasted about twice as long as the actual episode itself, and we're thrilled to share it with you right here on the Enterprise Incidents feed. But remember, this is a spoiler review, so if you haven't finished watching Picard, seriously, what are you waiting for? Scott and I both think this is some of the best Star Trek of all time, and that's not an exaggeration. So, without further ado, I think it's time to jump on board the USS Enterprise Incidents and watch as Scott and Steve become geek buddies for this spoiler review of the series finale of Star Trek Picard. everyone and welcome to a brand new spoiler review episode sadly for what may be the last episode of picard and certainly one of the greatest seasons of television here on the geek buddies <laughs> at these team up these team up episodes screw us up every time every well, you know, time you gotta you gotta mix the o with the new that's how it works today we're gonna have a lot of fun breaking down the last generation this last episode of star trek uh, picard season three uh from uh, writer director and showrunner terry metallis uh, so much to dive into here three different storylines happening within this main uh, episode here to wrap up everything we got going on and hell we had 20 minutes of post-credit scenes in essence uh, to, uh showing us what's going to happen with the rest of the crew we're going to break it all down here on this show but let's introduce ourselves first i am the outlaw john broker writer producer and host here on the geek buddies i am michael vogel writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies and i'm in florida with my family and friends and i got too much sun today as you can see <laughs> and joining us as our special guest we're so honored to have them on the show the crew of the USS Enterprise incidents uh, couldn't be happier. Scott Mance and Steve Morris. Gentlemen, how are you? Steve, you go first. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm not quite as red as I was a week ago from being in Florida, but I Ooh. still feel a little bit red. I did spend some time on the beach, but mostly I enjoyed spending some time back with the crew of the USS Enterprise on Picard. It was 
I, I'm still aglow from it. <laughs> Absolutely. Mr. Man. Well, if I'm red, it's only because I've been like rubbing my eyes or rubbing my face, you know, for the past few days yeah. because I've watched and rewatched the series finale, dot, 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 question mark for Whoa. Star Trek Picard many times, especially to prepare for this epic deep yeah. dive review with you guys, with my partner on Enterprise Incidents. And what, what? television i mean this wasn't just great star trek i mean of yeah. course it was it was peak television and we're going to get into all of it absolutely we are going to break this whole thing down here as i just said earlier and have some fun doing it and we are live so thanks to everybody who's joining us already 80 people joining us live right off the bat make sure you hit a like on this video and make sure you subscribe to the channel really important to subscribe to the channel hit that bell button and if you feel like you want to send in some super chats and some stream labs as we go through these this conversation maybe you want to get your thoughts out send us all your cry emojis we all felt it we all went through it last night certainly that scene between picard and jack don't get me started, Don't get me started. <laughs> there's so much here that we're going to dive into so if you want your questions thoughts and comments read out during the show and guarantee they get read out then send in your stream labs and super chats i'll pin it in the chat in just a second. So you guys know how I like to start the show, which is to basically ask everybody what they felt about the episode. And I'll go to my Geek Buddy co-host first, Mr. 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 Mike Bogle. Please tell us, what did you think of this finale of Picard? I mean, I think we said this a couple weeks ago. It's great when you're watching a show and you reach a point around halfway through where you just go, I think they got this. I don't need to worry. I don't I don't need to worry anymore. I know I'm in safe hands. And that that's how I felt watching this. Like I wasn't worried about sticking a landing. I wasn't worried about where it was gonna end. I just knew they knew what they were doing. And yeah. and Terry Metallis and the team knew what they were doing. And it was beautiful. It was great. It was satisfying. It just it just made me happy about Star Trek. And I think that's what this whole season really does is that if if you if you love Star Trek at all, but particularly yeah. if you were a Star Trek kid in the late 80s into the 90s, if you were a next generation Voyager DS9 person, I mean, this is just everything you want wrapped yeah. up in a giant, awesome special effects budget bow. Fair point, Steve. Morris, uh, your thoughts on uh, this uh, uh, episode here, The Last Generation? I want to focus on degree of difficulty you know we all watch mm. all these shows and we've you know and i listen to the geek buddies there have been a lot of star wars shows marvel shows where people have been critical of maybe it didn't deliver on all of the promises of the premise yeah and the thing that i want to say is it's actually really 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 hard to service multiple characters and give you satisfying endings to all of them and satisfying emotional moments to all of them and to deliver them all within a plot structure that actually works is really, really, really hard. And frankly, I can only think of two other things that are at this level of wow. succeeding at it. And one is Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, where wow. they managed to deliver all that. And the other one is from a person who maybe isn't as popular today as they were a decade ago, but that's the Battle of Hogwarts in mm. Harry Potter. You know, to take all of these plants, yeah. all of these relationships, and take the character to a place that is moving and powerful, that is so freaking hard. And I agree with Mike. I actually wasn't worried about it going into this episode because it had been set up so well. I was like, I think they know what they're going to do. I think they got it. And they really yeah. did. Scott, amongst the four of us, you've had the most unique relationship with this series. 
even so even going so far as to just a night or two ago hosting the screening of it at IMAX there with the entire cast of uh, Next Generation with you. So you've seen this finale a number of times. What are your overall thoughts here, having seen it numerous times here for yourself? Well, I got to say, Johnny, that the fact that they screened the last two episodes in IMAX theaters around the country. Now, the, the beauty of that is this. To have these last two episodes and the first two episodes, which screened in IMAX at the premiere, on an IMAX screen and have it look like it was meant to be on an IMAX screen yeah. and deliver in ways where the production values of season three of Picard were cinematic and epic, more epic than any other show, more epic than most movies, just shows you how top-notch the production of season three of Picard was all along. Mm. And, you know, especially, you know, when I first saw the, when I first saw this series finale, I said that it is, it's the, it's the return of the King of Star Trek because <laughs> of the way that it does satisfyingly wrap up everything. And also yeah. because it has, you know, just like return of the King, <laughs> it has endings. a couple of different endings. It keeps on going. Okay. Not, like, okay. Like, there's more, there's more, there's okay. more, there's more, but you know what, Mike, it's like, bring it on. Give me more. Yeah. I want more. I do not want this to end, but also yeah. it really just, you know, I was really thinking about it. And, you know, so many times that Steve and I have talked on Enterprise Incidents about how, you know, this season, this particular season, like I love season two of the original series. I think it's it's the very best season that Star Trek ever had next to season three of mm. Next Generation, season wow. three of Next Generations right up there. And even season seven of Deep Space Nine was just epic and amazing. But season three of Star Trek Picard is up there with season two of TOS, season mm -hmm. three of TNG, and season seven of DS9, as is one of the very, very best seasons Star Trek ever had. And also, also, I, you know, I just have to just say that the production design, the score, the music, yeah. the visual effects, the directing, the writing, and especially the acting. So many of these actors who've been playing these characters for so, so many years mm -hmm have delivered their career best performances of these characters, especially Jonathan Frakes yeah. and especially Jerry Ryan. Those are Emmy-worthy performances. I don't disagree with you. Certainly Jerry Ryan has – I mean, like over the last three seasons of Picard, you know, she has kind of grown into redoing this role again and recapturing the magic of it. But it was really this season where you finally got to see this endpoint from this person who shows up on Voyager for the first time and have it, you know, all the stuff that went on with that and why she got the job and all the stuff you hear behind the scenes to siege all this time pass. And she is finally ending up as a captain. Oh my God. That was what amazing. an incredible journey. What an incredible journey. And so it's just and to, for her to deliver that speech and sit there and then have the calm and then see what, uh, what captain Shaw said, which we'll get to later. It was great to see that happen here uh, for Jerry Ryan, who is really, you know, someone we have we've known about, but hasn't really kind of done a bunch of stuff. So maybe this opens the door for more things. And sometimes coming home is the best place to be, and they know what you can do. And we'll see if there's a uh, a, a show to come with her as the captain and Raffi there, and of course Jack 
watching over their shoulders and what have you. So we'll see for sure. Uh, all right, we're going to break this one down. We're going to take it to storylines. It's probably the best way to do it. I can't go moment by moment because that's just, we're going to be here for four hours if I do that stuff. So we got to jump into it. But pretty long season finale compared to something like Mandalorian, which was a tight 38 minutes. This was a, over an hour uh, of a finale, which was pretty incredible uh, to witness for sure. But let's jump into the initial start of this whole thing. Um, Scott Chekhov, well, I, I, oh gentlemen, <laughs> hearing Chekhov's voice, Walter Koenig's voice. I should have known when Terry Metalis posted a picture of himself with Stashwick and Walter Koenig there watching the finale that Chekhov was going to show up in the finale. And damn it, his voice. What were your thoughts on hearing his voice just right off the start? Right off the start indeed, John. I mean, I was sitting there watching, uh, you know, the link, you know, hooked up to my TV so I could watch it on the big screen. As soon as I heard the voice, I'm like, oh, my God, is that Walter Caney? And when he said this is President Anton Chekhov, I went, oh, my gosh. Right from the start, John and Mike and Steve, you have this this beautiful nod to Anton Yelchin Mm -hmm. who played – Chekhov in the three Kelvin timeline movies. What a beautiful touch. What a clever touch. And to hear Walter's voice, I'm like, oh my God, how did he get Walter Koenig? And, you know, when you're hearing his dialogue, when you're hearing his say, and he's saying, uh, uh, avoid the planet Earth at all costs, mm. farewell. That was obviously a nod to the president's speech in Star Trek Four, yeah. when the bounty picks up the signal from Earth when they're going back. Uh, you know, for the trial of the USS Enterprise, but also hearing him say, you know, there are always possibilities. Yes. There is so much. There is so much in that those few seconds. And here's a little bit of trivia, gentlemen, and to everyone watching. So at the IMAX event oh. the other night, Terry Metalis said, first of all, this is how he got Walter Koenig. Walter Koenig is neighbors with... Todd Stashwick. <laughs> That's amazing. They wow. are neighbors. Wow. Now, here's the other thing that Terry Metallis said at the Q&A. He said he wanted to film Walter on camera. Huh? He was supposed to be on camera, but they were literally running out of time, and they just couldn't do it. So he was just wow. happy enough that he got to do the voiceover. Right. And boy, what, the, what a beginning – of an episode yeah. of a series. And Steve, you and I have talked about this or elsewhere that every episode of season three of Picard has delivered, has been great. There's not a dud in the bunch, but you know what? I mean, and, and I mean, this will come up a lot in this episode, but this speech is the perfect example. And this is why this show is perfect. This, mm. this season of the season is so perfect because it's the exact right way to handle nostalgia and Easter eggs and everything else. There's other shows, shows that we cover shows that we don't that, yeah like flood you with Easter eggs, flood you with references to the point where your average audience is getting confused. Mm. And everything that happens, if you are hardcore and you've loved Star Trek your whole life, you pick up the Star Trek four reference, you pick up the Spock reference, you pick up all these yeah. things. But if you don't, and you're just watching this season because all your friends were like, holy shit, Picard season three is awesome. It 100% works. I mean, this applies to the Borg queen at the end and her like references to Voyager finale, like mm. all of these pieces. Like if you know, you know, but if you don't know, in no way does it take away from the excitement and the emotional impact of this season, which I think I is, like to Steve's point is very, very hard to do. Yeah, excellent point. Steve, your thoughts on this? 
Well, it's so funny, hey, you know, when Vogel and I are on a show together, it's so often that I go, Adam Mike's going to make my point. Damn it. <laughs> but, but, but just to add to it, just to add to it is that like a good test, because this is where the difference between something that's just fan service and something that really, really works as part of a show. Yeah. A good test is if none of the checkoff stuff was there. It wasn't Anton. There were no other references. But you had a moment where the president of Earth said, stay away earth is doomed to protect yourself would that moment have been important and fit perfectly into the show and the answer is absolutely yes yeah. and so they and that's again where i go the degree of difficulty is so hard to deliver the emotional moment from the president of earth yeah. while at the same time making five references to other things in star trek i mean that's just amazing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there are always possibilities something spock told me yes it's so great to have that here uh in this and i was i mean i i put my reaction up i recorded my reaction last night at midnight uh, and they went up at six this morning and i just as soon as i heard his voice i lost my uh proverbial shit and certainly oh, you wow. two gentlemen have had walter koenig on your uh on your on your show enterprise incidents and for those of you who don't know enterprise incidents maybe you're new uh to that show it is a show that steve and scott have been doing for quite some time where they break down every episode of the original series. They're now in the animated series, but they've had some wonderful guests, and Walter Koenig was one of those guests. So it must have been an extra special thrill for you guys to hear his voice as well. Oh, we were at his yeah. house. <laughs> oh, wow, really? <laughs> we okay. were at his house. And it was for our uh, for everyone listening. If you want to listen to our deep dive oh, yes. with Walter, it was for the Gamesters of Triskelion. So so check that out. But back to you, Johnny. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All right, let's get into this thing. So the crew of Enterprise ex assesses the damage here that Space Dock is sustaining, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's barely holding its own against the fleet's attack. Riker says, well, where's the cavalry? And they realize, wait, they are the cavalry because Data says no one else is responding. So they realize that the Borg are setting their sights to destroy Earth. Not the first time they've done this, right? We saw that in first contact when they assimilated Earth. So kind of hitting a little bit of the same beats, but still feeling a little bit different and knew they tracked down the Borg cube and it's hiding in the gases of Jupiter and discover that they are using Jack as a command signal to broadcast their message. Uh, Picard decides that he has to, that in order to save Earth and the galaxy, they have to destroy this beacon no matter what the cost. And it's really, because in that moment, I'm like, is this old school Picard going, I don't care if you're my family member, the line must be drawn here. You know, this kind of thing. <laughs> I was waiting for that. But then he says, this is a battle we've been, I've been waiting for 35 years. So in essence saying, this has got to end now. And then we split off into these different things. So we'll just focus on the main storyline to start off with here. We see that they uh, they have the, uh, they, they, they locate the, uh, they look at this thing. And they, they, Deanna remarks that she's never felt anything like this version of the Borg cube. She feels this quiet suffering. Beverly asks if she can feel Jack. She says all she can see is completely consumed by the collective. Worf, ever the warrior, is like, well, it looks like no point in no return for Jack. He's pretty much toast. Let's just focus on saving everybody. But Picard knows what it's like to be used. And he says there's a way to get him back. Is that Picard, the father, or Picard, the captain? Either at this point, the lines are blurring. Uh, the Borg cube is doling out damage, but it only is at 36%. So it's, it's a little bit lower. So maybe they've got some options here. But just when they're considering what to do, the Borg cube lowers their shields. Picard recognizes it, it as an invitation. And then they figure out that they've got to sever the connection between the collective and the assimilated fleet. And they'll have to find the beacon on the cube to destroy it. Um, Jordy is certainly the only way they'll be able to destroy the beacon is by beaming down and accessing this, accessing the system. 
Beverly and Data, Data managed to pull the life signs from the Borg cube and isolate Jack, the human brainwave. They isolate it there on the screen. And Picard finally understands what he's got to do. And he's the one that's going to beam down there. Uh, Riker says, you're not going alone. He has a moment with, uh, with uh, Beverly Crusher, a really sweet moment. And then Worf goes, I'm going to. We'll make this a threesome. And Riker. <laughs> you hear yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Riker's like, do you even hear yourself? Which is fantastic. Uh, and then we head down. But before we head down, we have these moments here on the ship between Riker and Deanna. A silent moment where you know who I am. You know what I've got to do. Her silently accepting it. And then Picard have turning around that son of a bitch turning around and all three of them looking back and him saying it's been an honor to serve you let's stop here steve talk to me about this opening here with this, all this that's going on the jack the father stuff you're a father this moment here when he turns around and speaks to the entire crew and says you know it's been an honor to serve with you gentlemen are you thinking that one of these three are going to die possibly picard that's exactly the thing I was thinking about. And I wanted to ask to hear what I, the rest of you thought is yeah. like, you know, there's sometimes you're watching a show and you're like, look, it's real. I know James Bond's in trouble here, but James Bond's going to make it. It's James <laughs> Bond, you know? And, and the fact is that most of the adventure stories we consume are like that. We can, even if we're really stressed out, we can be pretty sure that people are going to survive. Yeah. For me, there were moments in throughout this episode where I was like, man, Picard could die here. This could mm -hmm. be the end of Worf. Maybe they have to sacrifice Jack. Maybe Riker is going to like th those moments were happening over and over again where I genuinely didn't know mm -hmm. if we were going to make it out alive. That alone, I think, is an amazing thing. Yeah. yeah Scott, uh, your I, thoughts I on thought, this? Uh, uh, sorry. I thought that I thought Riker was going to be the one to go mm. because we already sort of had a sort of uh, transition with Riker at the end of season one of Picard. Yeah. So I just didn't think they were going to like, you know, kill him. But I thought, especially because of the depth of the yeah. gravitas that Jonathan Frakes brought to his performance as Riker yeah. all yeah. season long, episode after episode, I just was completely floored by the, the, level of his performance so i thought he was going to be the one to go but uh you know and you're right you think james bono is going to make it he's going to make it then you watch no time to die and you're like well i guess it's time to die he's not going to make it <laughs> <laughs> michael your thoughts on this so what would you think of this opening and how they set everything up and figured it out and picard's emotion here which he's only let out a few times when someone has gotten the best of him. And it's always the Borg. The Borg have always gotten under Picard's skin from Lacutus on, literally, literally under his skin. So what are your <laughs> thoughts on this? Um, well, first, even though, you know, last in, in episode nine in last week's episode, we had, we got the moment of them sort of entering the enterprise bridge from the first time, still all of them on the bridge, having mm. the, it's us against the world. There's nobody else coming. We're the cavalry. Yeah. It hits just right. Like it hits just right. Um, as far as them figuring out what to do in the plan, you know, I had a couple people ask me in like the past day, we were mm. texting about it and they were like, were you upset that nobody died? Do you feel like it would have been better if somebody died? And what I said mm. to them, and I think this is, it's, it's what, it's what Steve and Scott are saying. Like, yeah, it's not about did somebody die or not? It's that, did I believe that somebody could? And more importantly, did those characters believe they could? Yeah. And when Riker looks at Deanna and Deanna looks down oh, man. and when Picard turns around and says, it's been an honor serving with you, they believe that this is it. 
They yeah. believe this is the final mission. Mm. And as an audience member, because it's the finale, because we know this is pretty much it for the next generation cast. Yeah. And because their acting is so on point, we believe it. Yeah. Now, I don't care that they didn't die. I'm thrilled that they didn't. I'm thrilled that we got happy endings all around. And I thought the way that they ultimately didn't die was pretty fucking cool. So I was really satisfied with it, but I didn't need those deaths to be satisfied. I needed yeah. that moment of uncertainty. And that's the real moment that I care about as a fan. And I think they really delivered that. Like to Steve's point throughout this episode, I fully believe that Riker and Worf were in mortal danger mm -hmm. the entire time they were on that cube. I fully believe Picard would absolutely sacrifice himself if it meant Jack was going to be okay. Like, a cr I, I fully believe that if Jordy had been like, guys, the only way that we're going to save the entire galaxy is to blow this thing up by slamming the net, the, the enterprise into it. I, I would like, they're going to do it. Like I would have <laughs> yeah. believed anything. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, can, can I have just but, one yes. more thing about this setup, which yep. is one of the things I find really interesting is I think like, among the most morally compromised things in Federation history is thinking about infecting the Borg through Hugh in Next Generation oh, right, yeah. and then infecting the changelings in Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. And what I find so interesting just in terms of an ethical situation is that that is what the Borg and the changelings are doing to the Federation. Right. Is that their revenge is so, is so directed at the moral failings of the Federation by yeah. infecting them. And so there, there's so there's so much of read of of re-examining Picard as Locutus and what that meant through yeah. Captain Shaw, of re-examining these familial relationships, of re-examining the flaws within our characters and the flaws within the Federation mm -hmm. as we go trying to make things right in this episode, which thematically makes this even stronger for yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. Like father, like son. That kind of thing, yeah. experiencing once again here is you know, Jack's Jack is attracted to the Borg from some inner thing uh, and goes towards that. Whereas, you know, Picard resisted it and then was eventually assimilated. And so we see that they've got to repeat these patterns. But Picard stepping forward, uh, my friend Maggie Lovett, who's a fantastic reviewer on Collider, her review this morning was so incredible. She said the last frontier for Picard has always been fatherhood. And so he is embracing that in this episode, even more so being willing to go. I mean, the last guy that should be going down of everybody is Picard and his frail physical. But I know he's synthetic, but we it's know positronic, bitch. Yeah, sure. Sure he is. Yeah. Like De Niro was an Irishman. Yeah, he's totally positronic. But I didn't want to see doing too much. And so but I appreciated that he was willing to go to the fray once more under the breach, like his favorite Shakespeare writer, you know, or writer of Shakespeare. Go ahead. Yeah, Scott. So, so a couple things to point out. First of all, the way that the Enterprise D is uh, not part of the system yeah. where all the other starships are connected, making it easy, much easier for the Borg to not only assimilate, but annihilate. Yeah. So, so the fact that the Enterprise D was in a museum and that it was off the grid made me think of Battlestar Galactica. Of course, mm. I'm talking about the rebooted Battlestar Galactica yeah. from 2003, 2004, Excellent series, by the way. Yeah. You know, the Galactica was a museum, and then they like turned it back into a ship. But all the moments, you know, we saw the Enterprise D, you know, the last 10 minutes of episode nine, you know, without getting into just like what that meant. Now you are seeing all of these next generation characters, these beloved characters that they've been playing now in a span of 36 years since Encounter at Farpoint first premiered in 87. Yeah. They are at their stations. 
They yeah. are doing orders. I mean, you have you have Jordy at Navigations. Right. Uh, I mean, he was the navigator in season one of Next Generation. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you have Crusher really kicking ass at the weapons console. Yeah, we're I gonna get to that. Yeah, it's a whole know. new. It's a whole new meaning. Now they just call her Beverly the Crusher. The Crusher. She's <laughs> not. She's yeah, not messing also, around up there. But also the the bridge <laughs> that they reconstructed. For, yeah, yeah. For, you know, so it was fifty feet by a hundred feet, which was exactly to the same scale that the bridge was built for the Next Generation TV series. Wow. And also, uh, Terry Metalla said that. You know, they only have like five minutes yeah. of nostalgia to like be like, you know, oh, my God, this is amazing. And take like the official cast photos, you know, that we've been seeing all over the Internet in the last uh, week or so. But they only had two days to film all of those scenes on the bridge of the Enterprise D. Oh, wow. And uh, just some trivia for you, because I think that's nice. interesting. Nice. No, de definitely. And Jonathan definitely. Frake and Jonathan Frakes put his legs, just stood on every single piece of it. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just put his foot up Long over here. Put his foot up over there. <laughs> if I can't mount it, it can't be on the set. He's hopping over chairs. <laughs> Um, all right, so here we go. So um, Riker, Riker is uh, looking at they they go down there, and it. I mean, this is uh, something out of first contact. Just the same feeling, a little more of a tomb, but certainly that same kind of open feeling and area. The darkness of this, it's a little bit of a horror vibe to it. Once we get down there, and certainly the sound cues that whoa, that kind of stuff, it helps to kind of give you that mood as well and that feeling. Uh, once Beverly sends over where Jack's location is, Picard recognizes it. Of course, he would where this is in the collective uh and he explains that it's time for them to part ways between him and Riker and Worf uh there and the trio say farewell and Riker has a beautiful moment with Picard here you know kind of letting him off the hook you don't got to say it I know what it is between us it's all cool and Worf saying the two things that he says we don't say farewell and we don't say defeat or something like that so Beautiful stuff between all of them there. And then Picard goes further into the cube and he finds Jack, who is saying all the stuff that he's as the voice there of the Borg now sending out the message. And who is there but the Borg Queen, the great Alice Krieg back as the Borg Queen or what's left of the Borg Queen. And we hear this back and forth between the both of them in this speech. And they're talking about how she's like, he came to me. He called to me. I'm his mother. And uh, Picard shoots at her. It does nothing. And he's, and then she kind of like Khan, because there have been a lot of Star Trek two references says, you left me to die. You left me out there. You, you didn't come back and check on me. This is your, so saying all of this stuff, this is the Borg Collective, seeing all of that going on here, but she is certainly, and it looks like as they've looked at some of the Borg, has she turned into uh, cannibalism to stay alive? Is she eating her own Borg in order to stay alive? But we hear her plan. We hear what she wants to do with Jack, that she wants to go after Earth, that she wants to, that they had to evolve to survive. And now they don't want to assimilate. They want to annihilate. And that's their point of view when uh, in what they want to do next. And we see that Picard tries to get Jack out of it. And go, and then in, and then in that moment, hooks himself into the club, which is insane that Picard would do that. I kind of had a feeling it was going to happen, but when it happened, I was blown away. And then we go inside to this beautiful scene between Picard and uh, his son, Jack, and the back and forth. And Jack thinks, no, this is peace. I'm, I don't hear anything. Everyone is equal. It's all this kind of stuff. And Picard's like, no, this is death. This is death. You don't understand. Come back. Let me, let, let's go back to this thing. And Jack doesn't want to go. He's like where he is. And Picard in this wonderful moment, I'm going to get emotional talking about it, says, well, if you're going to stay, <laughs> I'm going to stay too, and we'll climb out of this together. 
And it's such a beautiful gesture. And the performances here are just incredible. And like all good Star Trek, love overcomes hate. And Jack is eventually taken out. They escape from this thing. And of course, at the same time, uh, um, uh, uh, Worf and Riker are fighting off these two Boar guys. We see that uh, 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 Worf wanted to use the sword, which is way too heavy for Riker. And then <laughs> Riker pulls out the phaser going, you could have just used the phaser. What, what's wrong with you? And they eventually send fun. the schematics to the Enterprise so they can go and get to this thing and shoot it out of the sky. And then, of course, they all uh, end up, and we see the conversation on the Enterprise talking about what they what they need to do. Uh, Jordy realizes they've got to shoot this thing, and once they do, they're only going to have a minute. Uh, and uh, she they can't lock on them to transport them out. And Jordy asks Beverly if it's okay, because she's essentially dooming Jack to death at this point, or what they think is death. Uh, and she concedes to her grace and to her power as a mother. She concedes because, again, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or in the this one. moment or the one yes exactly <laughs> uh then they uh, uh the shoots they shoot the uh the cube there alice goes crazy screaming no um they can initially can't find them but then uh deanna and uh, and uh, Riker have a moment and it is in that moment using her betazoid powers that she can locate him and then she jumps onto the council finds them uh and doesn't crash the ship like she did last time she was manning the console and they zap them out of there and take off as the Borg, as the cube blows up. So, uh, Michael, I go to you on this one. What incredible action, what emotional power and resonance in these scenes. And then did you like the way Beverly Crusher, as you said, the Crusher, was dropping all them bombs, and then eventually it was Deanna who had to get them out of there and save the entire crew. What were your thoughts on all this? Yeah, well, that's, it's a lot It's a lot to chew on there, but let me see if I can go through it. But one of the things to kind of frame this up, yeah. and just like we talked about, I think one of the things that Terry Metalis did so great and this is what made this series not just, if this was just a member berries nostalgia series, you yeah. would have had all the cast members show up in the first episode. And by the end of the first episode, they'd be on the bridge of the enterprise D and we do that all season, but they didn't do that. It was super earned and we took time and every single character got their intro. Yeah. Riker, got his intro. You had Picard and Riker both on the Titan. You had them doing their stuff. You had your Geordi moment. You had your reveal of Worf. You had, you know, every single person kind of came on when it was time for them to come on. And in this whole sort of ending battle with the Borg, yeah. everybody gets their moment. Um, you know, Riker says his goodbye to Deanna. Riker and Worf have their moment on the ship. They got the really funny moment with the sword. Riker can't lift it. Worf just thinks swords are more fun. Um, you know, Crusher literally crushes it with the, like just attacks that Borg ship. Yeah. Data is like, well, she's hey. she's been busy for 20 years, Mike. She's been she's busy. Been busy. Yeah. Data turns around and he's like, guys, Return of the Jedi is my favorite movie. <laughs> I can totally do this. And he flies the fuck in there and just destroys, you know, like when, when, when Troy is like, why do I sense excitement? And Brent Spiner is like grinning like a five-year-old as he's flying into that thing. Like it's just a perfect moment. And then when it looks like there's no chance for them to get everybody out yeah. and Riker's like, I love you, Imzadi. And Deanna's like, I know where they are. I'm a Betazoid. And like flies in. Like every single person gets the yeah. exact right moment for them to shine. And it really goes like, yeah, this is my crew. Like yeah. this is this is the Enterprise crew. Um, as far as the Borg Queen goes, Super creepy, giving me very yeah. Angelica Houston and Captain EO vibes, if you're an old school Disney fan. <laughs> wow. Um, 
<laughs> very, very, very that. But yeah, and again, here's like a great moment where if you're a hardcore Star Trek fan and you watch the Voyager finale and yeah. you saw Admiral Janeway from the future sort of infect the Borg Queen uh you'd be like oh, okay i think i see like what's going on with the borg and like what happened with all that but it if but if you're just a casual person or you've just been watching the season or you're a first contact person it's still like all lines up it's still mm -hmm. all fine you know like terry metallis was asked uh really early on in um in the in the season like oh well is the gerardi collective from season two going to be a thing and he kind of said early on the Gerardi Collective is their own thing. I feel like the Borg are still licking their wounds in the Delta Quadrant after Janeway did her shit with them. And so you're like, okay, yeah, he really, he he, he literally did know that because yeah. here we are. Yeah. Um, all of the Jack and Picard stuff, again, mm. super, super lovely. And I think super powerful because kind of as Picard says when he right before he jacks himself in, this is literally his biggest fear. Like ever since Locutus of Borg happened, he has hated the Borg. He has feared the Borg. He has obsessed over the Borg. He has wanted nothing but to, he, he does not want to become what he was. Yeah. But when his son is in that position and it's the only thing that he can do, he do his greatest fear doesn't even matter anymore. He just goes for it. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, it's a funny, it's a funny thing to me because we have all of these amazing sci-fi and fantasy series that have these epic backstories and these detailed worlds and these planets and these, this lore and these histories, but the emotional stuff always comes down to some of the core same things. Mm -hmm. And when he was, when he's basically like, like what, what this comes down to is Jack wants to be a part of the collective because he's always felt alone. Yeah. He wants to belong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, having his dad stand there and say, you're not alone. Like I'm got you. And the, and this whole series is about how Picard's not alone. He's got his crew. Jack's not alone. He's got his parents. He's got his family. And so it's just, it works at yeah. the end of the day. It's this beautiful, beautiful moment. And then you get that amazing shot. Like as you just circle around Jack and Picard, as the enterprise comes in overhead and beams them all up and you're like, I'm good. Yeah. You can give me 20 minutes of ending now because I am satisfied. <laughs> yeah, Scott. I mean, there were some great character beats here. Yes, Data. I think that's lore, flying them in there, using his gut, a little bit of lore <laughs> there, uh, having some fun doing all of that. And also we're seeing the the progression of Beverly as the mom here and also, you know, handling business. She's going to be an admiral, as we find out a little bit later, because of all that she does on this adventure. But then Picard himself, as Maggie was saying, fatherhood, this is the thing. And it's the final thing, the, the fact that he's willing to stay there, connected. He confronts his fear of the Borg. He confronts this. He goes back to that which he feared the most in order to confront it again and have closure. But he is willing to stay there in the collective again. for a second. And it's that final act that finally convinces Jack that he is his father and that he will be there for him, which is something he's always missed. And then we have this beautiful moment with, of course, Deanna and, um, and Riker. So your thoughts overall on this section, and do you think it was a little too quick the way it was all resolved, or did you like the way it was paced out to where we get the end with the Borg Queen screaming no as everything blows up around her? I, I, listen, I was extremely satisfied with mm. all the beats in this last episode and you got to give a big shout out big kudos in addition to every single you know main character from next generation of yes. course as well as jerry ryan from voyager taking their performances their characters to to a, a completely you know a different level you know yes. just top notch really crushing it you know going where they had never gone before so to speak ed spilliers 
as Jack Crusher mm. gave a terrific performance yeah. all season long yes. on the show, especially in this last episode. And, you know, watching that, those final moments, you know, the hug between yeah. father and son amidst all this craziness going on in the Borg cube and uh, the Borg queen uh, screaming no and everything, but watching Jack Crusher rip off his yes. Borg outfit and yeah. walk on the bridge of the enterprise still kind of like, half covered in his Borg outfit made me think of part two of the best of both worlds. When, when Captain Picard is kind of brought back to reality, you know, in those final moments where he's still going to be, you know, a little disturbed. This is going to keep recurring Mm. um, throughout the next uh, 36, 35 years or whatever. Uh, And so this really did bring everything to closure and all of the emotion, Mike, that you're talking about the reason it was earned is because it did happen over such a long period of time. Mm. And by that, I mean, let's just say, so the last Star Trek film with the Next Generation cast was Nemesis, which we Mm. all know was not very good. It wasn't (laughs) the Star Trek VI, the Undiscovered Country Center that they deserved. But let's say that what we were just watched happened in 2008 versus 2023. Would that have had the same emotional impact I don't think it would have. Yeah. The fact that it's so much later in life, when you have these characters, they're older, they're wiser, they're dealing with real life issues like Picard, uh, you know, seeing his son for the first time, his mm. his regret over so much over these last few years on Picard. Also, the grief, the yeah. grief that Riker and Troy have been processing right right. Uh, you know i mean this is real life stuff whether it's star trek or not um so all of the emotion that we're all feeling was so very very much earned and now i didn't think it was rushed at all i thought everything was absolutely perfect steve you know you're a technical mastermind with all these kinds of things the pacing (laughs) you're watching it you know you're watching it as a director you're watching it as a writer and i'm sure you're watching it oh as a star trek fan and i'm sure you're watching it as a dad you're the only dad on this panel uh, you know, <laughs> with a child. We could be data pets, I'm sure. But like this, this thing, the, this, this whole progression of this story, once they got on to the actual board ship in the cube and the, the separation of Picard from Riker and Worf. Riker and Worf, we've always enjoyed their kind of rougher bromance or, uh, uh, you know, at times uh, we see them have their moments. I mean, the dropping of the, the, the fact that sword <laughs> is heavy is hilarious. But this, the back and forth that they have, but then we see Picard and the things that he's doing and confronting this stuff and the things he talks about to Jack saying that I, you know, I had a family, but I kept them at bay and I didn't understand what it was like to make that connection and what it meant and all of that. And Jack just desperately wanting to be part of something. Uh, You know, some people can be alone. They're built to be alone. They don't mind being alone, but others do seek that community, seek that connection. Certainly we saw that during COVID, how some people were cool with the lockdown. Some people weren't. And you saw that here. And then overall, Steve, the symbolism of pulling your son out of a cult. In essence, the Borg is a cult. He's been assimilated into this. To think this, you have a leader who is telling, if you disconnect him, his brain will be scrambled. He'll never be who you think he is. He'll never be all of that. And the father's love being like, no, if you're going to stay here, I'll stay with you. But but we're going to find our way out together. I mean, there was so much here. Talk to me about everything that happened on this ship. 
Okay, there's a lot. There's a lot there, and I want to start with the <laughs> with the light, fun ones, which is the, the sure. I think just going back for a moment. There's always been this what I think is a fairly ridiculous conflict or competition between like Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans, mm. and I'm both a Star Wars fan and a Star Trek fan. But what I do love, you know, the knock of Star Trek is always, oh, you guys are so talky and cerebral, and we just want adventure. And the <laughs> both the moments of Beverly essentially doing the run on the Death Star, taking out batteries and yeah. data flying in Return of the Jedi style was such a, hey, Star Wars, hold my beer. You know, we can do, <laughs> we can do both. That's the, that's the first thing. Yeah. I want to talk about the Riker and Picard moment because I found it so moving yeah. of Picard starting to say a thing and him saying, you know, I have always known. The thing about having a thing that goes unset is that it it forces us to create the moment within mm. ourselves. And the thing that made me think about is there's a moment, and, and Mance, maybe you remember what the actual episode is, where Rikers offers his own command and is debating whether or not to leave, it, and Picard says... It's the best of both worlds. It's the best of both worlds. Just the best of both episode. worlds. Mm. That's right. And Picard says, oh, that's right. Of course it is. Duh. God, I feel stupid now. But Shelby. So, Shelby. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and we oh, see Captain Shelby. Shelby. So. Yeah. So the moment of Picard saying, hey, there's no substitute for the big chair and Riker deciding to stay connected with this moment for me of, you know, I've always known is I think for me, this is him saying, I chose never to leave my father. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that's yeah. making me emotional now. Just wow. thinking about it yeah. wow. like that. And because Picard is the father figure yep. who has to acknowledge his fatherness in this episode, that to me the son that he never really says, hey, you're my son, Riker. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to go do that to save his son, Jack. I mean, that's, well, the thing too, I think that, I mean, Terry Metallus, one of the basic things is I actually think he makes an asset of something that I felt didn't work terribly well in the first two seasons of Picard, which is, why the hell is Picard just hanging out in his fucking vineyard? Like, I don't <laughs> right, get it. Right. Like, what's he doing here? Yeah, yeah. And and what this season goes is it goes, yeah, what were you doing here? Right. You were isolating yourself from your family. And the fact that the most crushing moment in the series for me yeah. is the realization that the guy who asked Picard, you know, did you ever regret not having a family is in fact Jack. Yeah. yeah. And it's and the pain of that moment of the the destruction of family and the creation of loneliness the deep yeah. loneliness and the thing is and this is something scott and i have talked about endlessly about the original series but loneliness is a key factor it's a key theme in star trek right. captain yeah. kirk saying no beach to walk on and that he'll never have love and he's always going to sacrifice love in order to do his duty that is central to star trek that's central to picard mm -hmm. and this idea of the family that we create so that brings so now we have all of that momentum going to this moment john that you're talking about with jack yeah. and picard and here's the thing is i think i think best of both worlds one and two are fantastic but i also think there's always been a knock at the end of best of both worlds two of like really it's a computer virus you put the borg to sleep it always felt a little anticlimactic and as we're driving towards a similar moment in this, it's going, are you going to be able to beat it? Are you yeah. going to be able to really deliver something? And I knew maybe 45 seconds or a minute before I was going, holy shit, Picard is going to choose to become Borg again. Yeah. In yeah. order to save his son, he's going to make this sacrifice. And the fact that the temptation for these two very lonely men mm -hmm. of evil is to be connected, literally electronically connected to each other and to this, and never feel lonely again. Right. And that's what they have to defeat. 
and that Picard's willingness to become everything he hates and fears again right. for his love for his son that he just met. I mean, that's so symbolic. And then that it's Jack that has the strength and to take in that moment and save them. I mean, delivering 100%. There, yeah. There and is also something... the Borg. Oh, sorry. Wait, wait. Off of, off of Steve's point about yeah. all of the loneliness and the family stuff, because there is they this is again, this is there again, we all love Star Wars, we all love Star Trek. I think what Star Trek did with Picard is something that maybe Star Wars kind of fumbled in the new trilogy, which mm. is Luke Han and Leia didn't have the best 30 years between Return of the yeah. Jedi and Force Awakens. And that's always rubbed some people wrong. And I think with with Star Trek, an inherent thing has always been your family family and your found family and your found family is all your crew and us as fans we always love the crew but your family's important and i think picard really as season three deals with both sides of that like to yeah. steve's point you have picard who clearly chose the federation and his found family but then even in his later years was isolating from them yeah. but then you also have Jordy on the other side of it who had chosen family family and when we first meet him is right. like i'm not going to help you and he has that great fight with his kid about uh, they're not your family. And she's like, yes, they are. You taught me that. And what I love about this series at the end of it is everybody gets both. Yeah. Everybody gets both. You have, you have Jack on a ship with his, both his parents. And you get this sense that like, it's not that anybody had to choose that mm -hmm. this, this binary choice is not a real choice. Like you don't have to go, is my crew, my people, or do I have to go choose my family that in this world of happy endings, uh, everybody gets to to have both of those things. Yeah, I, I have one thing to add to that. Yes, All season long, I thought, I wonder how this moment is going to play out, and this moment never happened. Where was Wesley? Yeah, I thought about that too. It's really interesting. Where you was said she lost him to space? Well, he, shouldn't there have been no he disappeared he disappeared but no yeah we all know he disappeared with the space guy to go off mm -hmm. and explore the universe and then he showed up at the end of season two which the less said about the better but yeah i was kind of wondering about a wesley appearance like him kind yeah. of materializing and being like good job guys and then but, but there should have again. been there should have been a moment between jack and wesley where they shook hands so you're my brother Ooh. yes nice to something um well I mean, we'll talk about we'll talk about the post credit sequence. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Even though, but even though we don't know what the future is, Terry Metalis has been pretty clear on the fact that he knows what he would do with Jack Crusher, right. and that what Q wants to do with Jack Crusher. And I would have to imagine that Wesley Crusher would play some form into that if we ever get to see what that is. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Also, people had an issue with Janeway not showing up, but we'll deal with that in, in a little bit. Yeah, I, I loved everything here, and certainly you mentioned loneliness, Steve. That's something the Borg Queen said herself. I was alone. We were alone. This idea of needing connection, needing, and so she clawed and scratched and, and waited 10 years to finally enact her revenge on all of this. So yeah, the idea of loneliness being an interesting thing as a part of this, I thought was fantastic. And you know, it was almost like Terry Metalis was on a high wire, having a little bit of commentary about the first two seasons of, of Picard by having that interaction with Jack and talking about him being on this vineyard and whatever. And it brought to mind, and I know we got to move on, but it brought to mind to me what Spock says to Kirk, right? Your first commanding a starship is your first best destiny. Anything else is a waste of material. And Picard was essentially waiting to die on the vineyard 
because yep. he was not a captain again. That's where he lives. That's where he breathes. And certainly seeing that here, he got to say that to Jack and say it to himself even more so and be aware of it, which I thought was great. So again, the deft way that Terry has been able to, to hit the beats of the old stuff without making it seem overt. And for the Star Trek fans who recognize it, you love it as an extra layer to enjoy the episode. Because as you guys have all said, it works on the surface perfectly great. But if you know all the references or catch little beats that echo things you've seen before in Star Trek, it adds so much more to the enjoyment as well. I think I yeah. think David McKay in the chat has it right. Guinan had Wesley washing dishes in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Wesley's man. at 10 forward. He's like, oh, someone ordered the pasta again. <laughs> <laughs> <Shut> up. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We've been 50 minutes dealing with it, so we're going to move over to Seven of Nine and their storyline right after this. And I promise we will get your Streamlabs and Super Chats uh, right after this. Oh, no one All right, let's move over to the Seven of Nine uh, um, storyline. Let me see if I've got my notes here. Aboard the Titan, Seven and Rafi. They try to make the most of their reduced crew with one dude going, hey, man, I'm just a chef. Uh, my, you know, I was helping with my mom. And he's like, no, just sit down. You were a pilot. Do the job, son. Uh, and they managed to take back the bridge eventually by setting their phasers to the portable, beam me up, and sending them down, the Borg-infected crew, down to a lockdown transporter room. Now, some of you be like, wait, have I seen this before? Yes, it happened on the TNG episode Gambit when a group of pirates used phasers to beam up things just by firing at them. So they did get the upper hand in this situation using an old tactic from TNG. Seven realizes, though, that the Titan is still connected to the formation. So in order to get out of it, they're going to have to figure out a way to disconnect from the fleet without the Borg realizing it. Um, and they locate the Enterprise. And, they, and it's Seven of Nine who figures out that the reason they're on the Enterprise D is because it's analog and that Picard and the crew chose that uh, for that particular reason. Uh, they concoct a plan to cloak the Titan. Remember, using uh, that uh, cloaking device that they had, and they scramble the fleet scanners and hope that they won't uh, uh, get caught by the Borg in this. And then Seven, as the, the whole crew there, the makeshift crew with the Doctor and everybody there um, having questions about it, she steps forward and delivers a fucking awesome, short, tight, concise captain speech and in my reaction this morning, I said, that's the moment she became a captain. And I thought it was fantastic and instilled them with a lot of hope here uh, overall. They take care of business, but eventually they, they go through the moment. Eventually the Borg, they'll figure out what they're doing. The, uh, the Borg down below, the young crew there gets out of the transporter room. And of course, it's Jordy's two daughters. Who else would know where the, uh, where the uh, uh, cloaking device is. They shoot it out, and so that makes them visible to the Borg, and uh, they are heading up there to take over the ship. And just before they do, thankfully, the Borg cube blows up. We have a beautiful moment between um, uh, Jordy's daughter there, Sydney, and, and Seven of Nine. They give a hug, and everybody is back to normal, but with a little bit of uh, ramifications of what they've experienced here. So, um, uh, Scotty, I go to you first. What did you think of all of this with Seven of Nine, with her coming into her own as a commander and as, uh, sorry, as a captain, and then seeing how this makeshift crew was able to get the job done until the last possible second? Jerry Ryan, hmm. from the moment she appeared on Picard, right away, I felt like she was reclaiming Seven of Nine after her experience, after Jerry's mm. experience making Voyager, four years right. of Voyager, I thought the character of Seven and Nine was great on Voyager. But, you know, 
it was a different crew and it was a different situation. It was a different time. Yeah. And Jerry Ryan is, I've always just thought she is a, she is a great actor and the material that she was given to work with on Picard, especially yeah. on season three, again, just went to a whole nother level, just like with Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. And, you know, this is all building John, like you point out to the moment when seven truly becomes like worthy of yeah. being a captain of a starship. Right. So I just got to tell you back in the nineties, I was working for creation entertainment. They're the company that does all the star Trek conventions. Oh, wow. So I worked there for like 10 years and mm -hmm. I work with this guy. His name is Joe Senna. He was the creative director there. So in the mid nineties, around the time that Deep space nine was really starting to take off, he said, you know, will be great. I have a great idea for a Star Trek series. It takes place in the 25th century, and you have the captain of the Enterprise is a Borg. That was his pitch to me in like 1995. <laughs> so I'm watching the end of the, the final moments yeah. of this series finale when Seven is promoted to captain, and it's of the Enterprise – and I said, I texted my friend Joe and I said, did you watch Picard yet? And he goes, no, not yet. I said, do you remember, do you remember what you told me like 30 years ago? Mm. And he goes, yeah. It's like, just watch it and then text me. And then he watches it. He texts me. He goes, oh my God, I can't believe you remembered that conversation. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. So first of all, we've been giving, giving kudos to, everyone from the next generation cast yeah. uh, another person i got to mention is brent spiner was fabulous oh. fantastic this yeah. season on picard also todd stashwick yes liam shaw talk about an arc mm. like i started season three of picard hating this guy hating captain shaw and then in just nine episodes i'm like Oh my God, no, I miss him. Don't leave. I love this guy. What a great arc. Todd Stashwick completely crushed it. What a great performance. And that that video of him saying, like, I'm promoting her to captain. And there's this face-to-face -face moment between Seven and Tuvok. You know, you're Tim jumping Rock. the you're jumping ahead, Scotty. You're jumping ahead, but all right, yes. I, I you know, but but I just I mean, I am jumping ahead. But yeah. I mean, the fact that you have all of this action and commotion and all this this conflict going on on the bridge of the Titan and, and, you know, seven never sweats. Like she's yeah. like, like she is a captain that is worthy of Kirk of Picard of Cisco of, you know, Michael Burnham, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and of, you know, of Pike now on strange new worlds. She is up there with the best of the best of the captains. I thought uh, she was great. I thought Jerry Ryan just completely crushed it. Amazing. Truly amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. Steve, your thoughts on how um, Jerry, Jerry Ryan did how 7 of 9 handled all of this. And of course, they realized that the Borg, they're the ones who realized the Borg targeting all the major cities on Earth. They want to destroy all the major, city, major cities there on Earth. So, you know, it goes down to something that's real close to us. It's our own planet that they're attacking here. So you're seeing that connective tissue. But yeah, like Scott said, she never sweats. She handles it. She knows where to put the resources. She's the one that does all this stuff with Rafi. It's really great. And then, uh, you know, at the end, she has that moment there with her and Sydney kind of connecting. And we see her reaction to what she was able to overcome here in this situation. What did you think about it? 
So first of all, starting where you left off, mm. I agree. I think that moment where and it's and it's just played in performances. It's just played in reaction shots yeah. of the knowledge that both of them share of I, without my own volition, have committed horrible, horrible acts right. of violence. Right. And that the look between. Yes. Yeah. The tra and, and it's even because we know what happens to Picard. We know, oh, you're going to carry this. You're not going to. This isn't going to be a quick fix. So, so just that moment, I think, was really powerful. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think Jerry Ryan's great. I think there was not a moment where I went, oh, she's not the captain. She's, mm. you know what I mean? Like, there's not a moment where she didn't deserve the big chair. What's funny, and this is going to sound like a criticism, and it's totally not. When I've had been on an emotional roller coaster with my original Next Generation characters, cutting back to what is fantastic Star Trek adventure top mm. to bottom. Right. It's not a letdown, but like, I'm not, I'm like, oh, I'm not weeping at the moment because I'm not so deeply emotionally involved in it the way I was. That being said, just like we were talking about, it would seem like totally a possibility that Riker could die or Worf could die or Picard yeah. could die or Jack could die or they all could die. There was totally a possibility that Earth could die. Yeah. Like I was really, you know, like, holy shit, how are they going to deal with this? And the methods of what they did from taking over the bridge. And also, I even think, you know, we talked about there being Star Wars elements. There's sort of aliens-ish elements when oh, the yeah. when the out-of-control Borg-ness are, are opening up the, you know, the transporter room and they're yeah. coming after us. It's like, holy shit, what are we going to do? And I love the one minute we take for the guy who's a cook who suddenly yeah. has to sit at the helm of the Enterprise. Because that's all because one of the things I always think and this again, it goes back to the very beginnings of Star Trek is like in Corbinite maneuver, the moments on the bridge where we're doing the countdown and you're going to die. When you watch that, you go, well, how would I react? What would I do? And the dude that's the cook who's suddenly at the helm of the Enterprise or of the Titan is right. like, oh, that's that's us. That's me suddenly having to face totally no hope, imminent death. And I just got to fight till the end. And that is where that seven and nine speech comes in of like yeah. basically yeah this is hopeless and we are going to fight because that's what we do you know yeah and i think there's fan fiction for that guy where he has always wanted to pilot the ship totally the training and he gave it all up because of his family and the pressures and, and taking care of that uh, uh the uh the eatery or whatever they have there and all of that and so he finally gets a chance, but he's nervous about it. He's like, no, I, I can't do it. I've been doing this. She's like, get on there and navigate. The and then when we see what that ship does before it finally gets uh, uncloaked, he did a damn good job driving that ship. So, Mikey, what do you think about all of this uh, sequence here with Seven of Nine and how much Michelle Hurd finally got to do here in a storyline here in Picard that I thought was really good and showing her skills and her prowess? Yeah, I look as as opposed to Steve, uh I love yes. Voyager a lot, as much as I love Next Generation. So watching Seven do anything gave me feels and watching her sort of like go from <coughs> where she started and, and, and to Scott's point, where she started yeah. in Voyager both as a Borg who was slowly coming back to being human again or kind of yeah. you know, reclaiming who she was, but also knowing the experience that Jerry Ryan had on Voyager behind the scenes into this character that has had this long arc of living on the edges, not thinking she would ever fit into the Federation, yeah. becoming a part of the Federation, but dealing with people's opinions of her as a former Borg, right. trying to force her to put that part of her behind her and calling her Hanson, like just the entire arc of everything to her sitting in that captain's chair. 
ultimately uh, was great. And what was great about this se these sequences that we're talking about is, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the show. Just because you know where something is going doesn't mean it's not satisfying if they mm. do it right. Right. And right. they've clearly been gearing up to be like seven of nine is the captain now. But all of the <laughs> sequence, the cook coming onto the bridge and not knowing what the fuck to do yeah. and seven being like, you got to do this, buddy. Her giving that big speech to everybody, like, I'm not asking you to sacrifice your life or nothing. Like, all of these moments, they were like, this is where we are going to sit back mm. and let Seven captain the shit out of this bridge. Yeah, yeah. And they really just did a wonderful, awesome job. And also with Rafi coming in here, right at her side, you know, these two, I, like, I love, I love exes that come back together again. And these two... <laughs> are doing it right. Like they've had their ups, they've had their downs, yeah. but when the chips are down, Raffi is right there at her side, mm -hmm. like a number one and kind of to Scott's point. And again, there's a lot of reasons, P particularly the fact that Picard is the first show on the first Star Trek show on Paramount plus to break the top 10 in the Nielsen's. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of reasons that I think we can be hopeful that we're going to see the further adventures of, uh, of the yeah. enterprise. Yeah. Uh, Gee, G. I was like, G, which which yeah. letter are we at now? Of the it Enterprise G, spot, doesn't it? <laughs> but it, it really does. This love love that love that Enterprise G spot. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no. But I mean, I think kind of to Scott's point about and and Steve too, like these the, the wonderful moments between Picard and Riker, yeah, and how they are even more wonderful because they've had thirty plus years to marinate. So when Picard looks at Riker and says, uh. And, and is about to say something and Riker says, you don't have to say it. I know. And like, they just have those moments. You've got Rafi, you've got Rafi and seven of nine. Yeah. Former exes. Now her number one, this long relationship, give them several seasons and then bring <laughs> them back together 30 years from now and give them a moment like that. I'm so I'll be on my deathbed, but I'm in. But like, yeah. you know what, Mike, I, I gotta tell you, you know, uh, all the, everything we're talking about with Rafi and with seven is great because the actors playing them, Michelle Hurd and yep. Jerry Ryan are so good together. You know, last season with, with the two of them, I mean, you know, they have more time together, but when they end up together on the bridge with Jack, uh, you know, uh, Ed Spillers, like you're like, I like seeing uh, Rafi and yep. seven of nine together. And, you know, you talk about like, uh, you know, we've been alluding to all what's going to happen next. You know, I mean, there's been talk, uh, on social media about about this like Star Trek legacy thing. I mean, yeah. nothing's been announced, but of course, you know, you get to those final moments of this this episode and you just go, there's no like you're watching that, you're watching Captain Jerry Ryan of the Starship Enterprise, right. and you're going, I want that show. And yeah. the, when the fans said, I want that show, when Captain Pike yes. off the bridge of the, yeah. the uh, yep. uh off the transporter platform of the Discovery, you see yep. the Enterprise you know, with Rebecca Romaine as uh, number one, like I want that show. They listen, they mm -hmm. do listen. And now, you know, it's worth pointing out, out that with this final episode of Picard, there have now been, are you ready for this guys? There have now been since 1966, 883 episodes wow. of Star Trek with with season two of Strange New Worlds coming, mm -hmm. and then the next season five of uh, Lower Decks, mm -hmm. we are closing in on 900 episodes of Star Trek. And look, 
I'm like you guys. I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. I love mm. them both very, very much. But take that, Star Wars. <laughs> you know what? I was going to say, it doesn't sound like enough episodes. I think we need a yeah. little bit more. Yes, Mike! <laughs> we will. We will. Uh, all right. Before we get into the uh, Return of the King 25 endings here, I want to <laughs> hit these Streamlabs and Super Chats because people have been waiting for us to respond to them. Yep, so yep. Let's jump into them first. This Philip O'Brien says, slightly disappointed with the finale. Rem renaming the Titan. Eh, no Janeway. Bummer. Raffi as Seven's first officer. Uh, odd. Some of the dialogue in the season was not good. Ball and all, it hit the emotions, stirred thought, and was well acted. I loved it. Oh, wow, that was a journey I, of, a, of a post. Listen, Philip, I agree, Philip. I didn't care for it either. <laughs> <laughs> the no. ballad. I hear, look, I hear you. Look here. Here's the, and here's the thing. Like we're all having the love fest about it. Uh, there's that. Look, I would have loved to have seen Janeway. I think anybody who's been listening to this yeah. podcast as we've been doing it uh, is clear on that. Um, I was okay not seeing her and we'll get, we'll get into the ending with Jerry yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan and Tuvok in a minute. But like, um, I, I gotta say, yeah, I, I, I was not disappointed. Even if I didn't get everything that I was hoping or wanted, or I would have loved to have seen this or that kind of like what Steve was saying, like, this is so hard to do. Yeah. And I think a part of me when I'm watching something like this, recognizing that the fact that this even exists, the fact that season three of Picard exists in the way that it does is such something that shouldn't be like it like like in my wildest dreams i never thought i was going to get to see the next generation cast go out on such a high note that i'm i am uh i am satisfied with my care yeah, yeah. i you know with regards to philip's comment about the titan being rechristened the enterprise first of all anytime you show a new starship and you see the words USS Enterprise on the primary hull yeah. with the numbers NCC 1701, whatever, I get emotional. Yep. I was definitely moved by the moment of seeing a brand new starship named Enterprise. But I do agree with Philip. The Titan was a great starship. It was a kick-ass starship. Mm. It was the MVP of season three of Starship Picard, and it deserved better... Yep. To just you know have the name wiped off the primary hall and replace it with the word enterprise. I'm or, or you could also argue that that the the greatness of that starship is being rewarded by renaming it Enterprise. But I'm with you on that a little bit, Philip. As for Janeway, you know, knowing when all what went on behind the scenes of Voyager. I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, yeah. Between between Jerry Ryan yeah. and uh Kate, Kate Mulgrew. Mulgrew. It is not a secret. It's been talked about. It's been written about. Now you have Janeway doing her own thing on the protostar on yep. Star Trek Prodigy. Mm. And here you have Jerry, you know, kicking ass and taking names on Star Trek Picard, especially this season. This is her moment. Right. And it was right for her to have that, you know, assignment given to her by Tuvok and not Janeway. Yeah. Uh, this is Jerry Ryan's finest hour, and she should be allowed to have it without anything sort of taking you out of the episode. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree with that 100%. 
Steve, anything to add to this as we move on? Yeah, yeah, I'll be quick because I I know this is just a long, just on this question. But so the Janeway thing, I am absolutely to me, it's not a flaw in the writing or the 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 story. I'm sure it's political. I'm sure it's behind the scenes. I'm sure Mm. that's what it is. As far as the Titan thing, I know absolutely nothing about how this went down. But I'm going to tell you exactly how this went down behind the scenes, which is that, which is that, like one of the issues is that one person said, oh. This show's going really well. We should launch a new Star Trek show and there should be a new Enterprise. And then they went, well, the, and then they went, oh, Seven of Nine is so great. She should be the captain. And then they went, oh, but the new Enterprise should be like a new cool ship, like the new flagship that's awesome. And they went, oh, but then Seven of Nine probably wouldn't be the captain of that. She'd be the captain of the Titan. And then someone else went, oh, I got it. We renamed the Titan as the Enterprise, and then all of our problems are solved. And, that is, <laughs> you know, and then Michael, and Mike can, I'm sure Michael can. Yeah, Michael's you. been in those rooms. This is no, how this goes. It's, it's le- I mean, I think Steve's probably right about that room. I think what's more interesting is within the world, everyone at the Federation is sitting there and be like, oh, fucking Riker and Picard just fucking hijacked that fucking spaceship, man. What those assholes? They just think they can just go hijack a spaceship, and somebody else is like, "Well, they did kind of save the universe." And you're like, "Well, should we change the name of the Titan to the Enterprise?" And someone's like, "Isn't that kind of rewarding really bad behavior?" And they're like, ah, "You know what? Fuck it, give it to them." That's that's the part that yeah. I find really funny. Like politics, two dudes, man. two dudes stole that spaceship and just flew it off, and then they were like, "Yep, let's call it the Enterprise." <laughs> All right, uh, JP Scarlet Spider, thank you very much. NLS NLSFC ninety six, thank you so much. Also sent in. This was a love letter to all of Trek from before the Abrams verse of Trek. Also, it was a quintessential Picard show where we see his character arc end on love and him changing forever. Yeah, is that is that true? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I think that that's ultimately what makes this great is that this show for all of the nostalgia and the Easter eggs and every character having a moment and this reference to DS nine and Voyager and Bubba and all the things that we're talking about, this is, Hey, you know, captain Picard, your favorite captain who had no emotions. Let's force him to have all the emotions by revealing that he has a son pointing out that he doesn't have a family and making him face his worst enemy ever at the same time and end in a better place than he's ever been. And so like as a arc for a singular character, it's great surrounded by all the other awesome geeky stuff that we're talking about. Right. Right. Gentlemen, anything you want to chime in on this one or should we? I, I, I think people miss what one of the biggest and most important assets the genius of Star Trek is not that they create these perfect heroic characters. Right. It's that they create these characters that are awesome and also have deep sadness and loneliness, whether it's Spock or Kirk or Picard or a whole bunch of other great core data. Like the great characters have these flaws. And what this season of Picard did was went, that's what we're going to get into. We're going to get into Riker's flaws, data's conflicts, and of course, Picard's deep loneliness and all of those things. And that's what makes it good. Yeah, I agree with Steve 100% because, you know, we talked about this many times, Steve, you and me, about one of the things that makes Captain Kirk so great is because he is flawed Mm. because he made mistakes and he would learn from his mistakes. And sometimes he would be called out on his mistakes by his own best friends, you know, Spock and McCoy. And, you know, that is something that is carried from from, you know, 1966 to 2023 that's why we love these characters they're flawed and they grow 
Yeah, I did nothing except get caught with my bridges down. I must be going senile. Mr. Savage, you grow right on ahead yep. and keep quoting regulations. Exactly. Um, NLSFC96 says, it was also the most perfect send-off with the crew, the, the, for the crew I grew up with. Perfect that it would end on a card game. We'll talk about that with scenes between Jack and Picard and also Riker telling Troy, Thad and I will be waiting for Ooh. you. Yeah, that was – I, oh, I did Riker mention said that. that. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, that moment was powerful, gentlemen. Well, oh, man. Yeah, and it's like – Again, taking some of the stuff, and this is a thing that good writers do. I, it, I think it's pretty clear, as John said earlier, uh, that season three exists because there was an awareness that a lot of season one and the majority of season two of Picard is not the best. Hmm. But they didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, the stuff that happened, happened. You can't take back stuff that exists and is in the universe. So when you have stuff, whether, it, you know, when it existed, even if you think it's all uh, flawed or imperfect, you still take those pieces. Like one of those mm -hmm. pieces being the fact that Deanna and Riker lost a son. And I think that uh, they used those pieces to the best of their abilities, like really like made them land really, really nicely. Yeah. You know, one of, one of you know, there were so many, you know, I've seen so many people online say, Oh my God, I'm so sad that season three is over that starts Picard is over, but think of all the joy that the yeah. three of us, the four of us and to everyone watching here on geek buddies will have going back and rewatching season three of Picard over and oh, over yeah. and over again and capturing, you know, and finding all of those moments, all the Easter eggs, yeah. all of the nods to the past shows and the past movies that they didn't see maybe on the first few viewings. For example, I rewatched, uh, that's the last generation episode of Picard this Ooh. morning before I signed on with you guys. So towards the end of the episode, when you see the Enterprise D and the and the Titan flying off together over the earth towards the sun, and you hear Captain Riker's captain's log, he says mm -hmm. star date, shall we say one, that reminded me of the end of Star Trek Six. When you yeah, see the yep, Enterprise yeah. fly into the sun, second star to the right, straight on till morning to boldly go where no man, where no one has gone before. I did not pick up, pick that up. Not even when I saw it on the freaking IMAX screen, I didn't <laughs> notice that. So that's the joy. And that is the joy, yeah. really, of Star Trek is watching these episodes over and over again. Steve, how many times have you and I and Johnny, you, or the three yeah. of us, watched TOS hundreds and hundreds of times and we still find new stuff out yeah. of it and there are now like almost 900 friggin episodes of star trek like we don't need television we have star trek we're good <laughs> it's a symbolic moment as michael said it was the excelsior that's what they're going yeah. off there and it's a passing of the torch and that in essence is a is the same thing passing of the torch here with that Riker monologue there with those two uh, uh ships going off and anthony Buarogo says next generation era and films got the proper ending the cast deserved Amazing creators, especially Terry Metalis, made this great Star Trek possible. Let's move space and time for, enter for an Enterprise G sequel. Well, as Scott said, well, if the fans talk, you, sometimes they listen. If you got to move space and time, what thing I got to tell you, guys, <laughs> yeah. I spoke to Terry Metalis at the premiere the other day. And, you know, we were talking about the, the death of Captain Shaw. Yeah. And he said, I have a great idea yep. to bring back. Todd Stashwick, he told me what the Please idea was. He told me not to say anything. <laughs> the point is... Well, well, you're doing a piss-poor job. <laughs> yeah, I want uh, you to... Uh, break no, break the news, Scotty. <laughs> I am not telling you his idea. What I'm telling you is, this guy, Terry Metalis, 
is going to be involved in another Star Trek show. That's Mark awesome. my words. Well, everyone wants it to happen, and they listen to the fans. The yeah. other thing, the other thing he said that I thought was very, very smart and just great world building is he talked about the assimilation as a blip level event in the Star Trek universe. Mm. Meaning that, you know, yeah, this was our season finale. Everyone 25 and under in the fucking Federation was assimilated yeah. out of nowhere. And then, yeah, mm. like the, the jet, the, the enterprise came in and saved the day. But for the period of time that that existed, Everyone was connected in a way they had never been connected before. And then that was taken away and it was gone. And right. so he was saying like, this is like the blip in infinity war to end game. Like this is something that has repercussions that you can't imagine. Right. Add to that the very first Borg captain in the Federation, yeah. which I'm sure Shaw was not the only person who would have reservations about something like that. And then particularly after the events of this finale. And I think you've set up a world where it's not just the typical Star Trek stuff, but there's like really cool in-world stuff to explore there mm -hmm. that would put a different uh, shade on this show than any Star Trek has had before. Good point, good point. Phil P says, uh, Jean-Luc saying he'll stay brings Jack back. He'll stay and he, that brings Jack back. Wow, yeah, emotions, certainly we talked about that. Thank you, Phil, uh, appreciate that as well. Let's see, Phil, another one says, no Janeway, sorry, Vogel, that's the only missing piece. Uh, for him. I think uh, I think Scott and Steve are right. And like I said, Ooh. I was sad not to see her because she is my favorite captain. But uh, I do think that this season uh, was definitely seven of nines. And I am more than happy to give it up to her. Damn and to yeah. be fair, in this story, Kate Mulgrew did do an interview, I think back in 2015, where she took responsibility for what happened. And she took yeah. ownership of it. Did she fully go all the way? No, but she took ownership of what she felt. And she was like, I wish I'd handled it more professionally. Because some of those stories you heard about how she like telling her she had to go to separate or to hold her bathroom, all that stuff is just kind of going to the bathroom. It's just kind of crazy. But you know, there's professional jealousy. There's also stuff that was going on there. Also talking about it as a woman, seeing a woman like Jerry Ryan showing up, it replaces this whole thing. There's a lot of that. That's really tough to explore. But the ownership of it, thats I think that speaks volumes that she was able to say. And Jerry, she said, Jerry deserves all the goodness, all the greatness, all the love from the fans, blah, blah, blah. So it's not like Kate has stayed angry at her. It's certainly a very gracious response in the end. The, the, the fact that uh, you you know, Jerry Ryan just did an interview really recently yeah. to promote this final season where she said that she actually had a lot of reservations about, about going back to Star Trek. And she like had a glass of you know uh, wine or whatever, like, you know, Romulan Ale. Mm -hmm. over. Yeah. Um, you know, John, I know you know about these books, uh, yeah. the 50 year mission volume one and two. Yeah. So volume one of the 50 year mission book covers the original series in the movies. Volume two covers next generation, everything else and the Kelvin timeline and Jerry Ryan and, uh, Kate Mulgrew, uh, you know, did a new interview for this book where she basically fessed yeah. up. Yeah. Hey, I, I made some bad decisions yeah. doing, doing Voyager and I feel bad about that. So yeah. I'm paraphrasing. That's not a direct quote, but, right. but if you want to read more about what went down yeah. 50 year mission volume two is a, it's a great read anyway, yeah. but you know, you'll find your answer there. Get well, your, can, uh, I, can I also yeah. say it's a great listen. I'm an audiobook person. And if you do the listen, <laughs> yeah. you would hear the voice of the great John Roca as one of the voices on the book. Uh, yeah, I wasn't going to say anything, but thank you, Steve. Yes, I did. <laughs> I, by happenstance, a friend was in charge of that who is who was at Harry Potter. And he said, you do voiceovers. Do you want to come and do a couple of days on 
this Star Trek book. I go, you don't even have to pay me. I'll, I'll go do it right now. And Did you voice Scott Mance? I, no, no, I wish. <laughs> That's a tough ask. What? I don't be good at it. Oh, my God. It's, it's a tough <laughs> ask. Uh, but no, I did some of the actors who couldn't uh, record their own. So I was uh -huh, basically okay. imitating some of them uh, in there. Uh, JP Scott Spider says, this season of Picard is some of the best Star Trek in a long time. I hope, I, I so hope we get to see the continuing voyages of the Enterprise G in a Star Trek Legacy series. Same. We definitely talked about that, JP. Hashtag Thank same. <laughs> Hashtag same. There you go. Uh, and then the Streamlab, uh, Travis Earl said, this is the best Trek in ages and one of my favorite Legacy sequels. The sentimental, nostalgia-filled final 15 minutes of the episode, which we're about to talk about, was fully earned emotional perfection. Bring on Captain Seven's Enterprise series. Um, Wayne Edwards says, hello, gents. I still haven't seen the finale, but I had to drop into this live episode with some of my geek buddies and Thanks for the weekly after shows you guys have been doing every week. It means the world. Oh, thank you, Wayne, um, for both me and mine. Uh, and Steve, who come to, and, and Scott now. Adam Jimenez says, my takeaway from season three is that Shaw was right about everything. I never thought I would get so attached to this new captain. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and as, uh, as Scott said, there may be plans for the return of Scott Shaw. Or, I mean, not Scott Shaw, of uh, Shaw here. So uh, let's take a quick thing. break. Uh, and uh, we'll jump into the last part of uh, the Star Trek uh, Picard finale here right after this. And if you haven't subscribed to the channel, hit that uh, subscribe button right now. Hit that like button. If you're watching later, leave a comment. Certainly, Steve, uh, Scott, Mike, and I have had a lot of comments and opinions about this. What are your thoughts and opinions on our opinions as well on all of this? Let us know down there uh, as well. Send in your Streamlabs and Super Chats. I'll hit them at the end here for anybody who wants to send in some new ones. And we'll be right back right after this. That's perfect. That's perfect. All right. I'm going to do my best to throw these into a quick synopsis here, but we do see Jack go back aboard the, the uh, enterprise here and him and his mom have a wonderful hug. I, 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 I almost voiced it over like mom, those you were right about those guys. I shouldn't have gone out that night. That's what it basically looked like in that uh, hug there. Riker and Deanna have a beautiful kiss. Data, Data and Jordy share a tender moment there on the bridge as two old friends and then Worf sits down next to him. And I love what Terry did with the camera, panning back out. And then Worf, like an old man, is quickly asleep, which I thought was hilarious. Um, and then we hear, as Scott pointed out, Riker narrating his captain's log, which is, let's say, one, call it one, the first of a new day. Uh, we learn that Beverly discovered a way to fully purge the Borg uh, of the uh, of the uh, the Borg DNA from the, of the officers here, develop technology to allow them to root I'm out. I'm sorry, that's Admiral Crusher to you. Well, not yet. We are going to get there uh, and allow them to root out and any of the remaining changelings hiding out within Starfleet, which we saw in that transporter moment. Um, and then we see uh, Seven meeting with Tuvok, as Scott has mentioned earlier in our review, who survived the Changeling attack, which I think speaks a little bit positively about the Changelings, that they didn't want to mirror the torturers. They, although took them, they didn't kill them, they replaced them. So I think there's something to be said redeeming about the changelings there. But anyway, she wants to tender a resignation and uh, Tuvok says no and then shows this video from Captain Shaw knowing she was Captain Material, which I've been saying for weeks on this show. And she has given the captaincy here, which I thought was really sweet. He even calls her seven of nine 
in uh, by her name there in the uh, in the video and then talking about by the books and breaking the laws and breaking the rules. And then the ones that she breaks are great. Rafi gets an emotional uh, closure moment, too, as well as she's seeing this video here. And we see Worf come up from her family, uh, accepting her son wants to see her and that wants to have her hang out with his their her grandchild there. Worf comes in and uh, we find out that somehow all her commendations have been leaked and her son saw it, and that's the thing that kind of put him over the edge to want to see uh, his mother here. A sweet moment between the two of them, uh, as well as warriors uh, 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 saying goodbye to each other. Uh, Data is adjusting to his emotions and having these therapy sessions with Deanna Troy, who is looking at vacation spots the whole time he's, she's talking to Data. And Data apparently goes an hour over his time all the time, and there's a fun little... Uh, back and forth between Deanna and Riker there as, as Data walks out from his last session. Then we jump a year ahead, and Jack is in a Starfleet uniform, and he's pacing back and forth. We hear them have a conversation about him being a ne Nepo baby, and then we talk about, the uh, as you guys have mentioned here, the Enterprise being renamed in honor of Jean-Luc Picard, the USS Enterprise G, the Titan, rather, being renamed as the USS Enterprise G. And Jack says, names mean almost everything and then we see as we spoke about jack on the ship there being greeted by captain seven and her new number one raffi um and jack's wondering where am i going to be sitting what, what do you want me at all this kind of stuff and he said should i should i order the crew to head to metallus nice terry putting yourself in there uh but he says uh no no jack uh, or uh, seven to nine says no no I'm going to need you here as my uh, consultant on the bridge there. I want to keep my eye on you in case any more nonsense happens, which I think that's that's her point there. And then we see Picard, who is there at the 10 forward with the rest of the crew. They're all drinking. They're talking about the different, the prune juice or whatever it is that they're drinking, all the different stuff they're doing. It leads to them playing poker around the table, which is, of course, a shout out to um, to that episode, to the finale episode of the Next Generation series. Uh, and then we get to a post-credit scene with Jack there in his quarters, and who shows up but Q, who supposedly died at the end of Picard season two. But Q is back, and Jack knows about Q. Apparently, Picard has told him about Q, and he said, "You already judged humanity." He says, "No, no, I judged John Luke. Now I'm here to judge you." And we go to Black Frame. So, uh, who do I go for? Uh, Steve, why don't you take this away? Your thoughts on all of this stuff here that we got to wrap up uh, Star Trek uh, Picard Season 3? So, first of all, I agree with Scott, with you, uh, and John, who both said this is the return of the king of Star Trek. It totally yeah. is. The fact is, if the show had ended with Worf old man snoring on the bridge of the Enterprise... <laughs> I would have been cool. Like, <laughs> to me was I've had those perfect, days. <laughs> it was such uh, all the time. Yeah. It's all the time. It's such a perfect moment to me. I have it's it, it it's why Return of the King is such an appropriate reference because there I really like all these moments. Like in terms of narrative drama, you know, we're at a lower level. In terms of scene seven and nine, react to Captain Shaw, say what he said. I was yeah. crying. The moment of yeah. Picard, and it's totally referencing Star Trek motion picture, but even more so Wrath of Khan of Kirk in a shuttle flying towards the Enterprise. When Picard sees that it's the Enterprise, oh, great. Yeah. Absolutely great. The the stuff with Jack on the bridge and being mm. assigned as counselor, less interested in that. Okay. I really like the characters. I love that Rafi's the first in command. I, the, the moment of what she going to say is her catchphrase word. Oh, I'm great. I, I've not 
I wish that we hadn't focused, made this a fan thing of each captain, because then they had to do a thing to deal with the fact that this was a fan thing and have us not hear it. I, I don't love that as much. I totally get why other people might have loved it. Q and John Delancey. Okay. I adore John Delancey. I love Q as a character. I think that was a mistake. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like they that Star Trek has gone to the Q thing enough mm-hmm. and bringing, like, going, hey, we're going to do Q again. Like, I, it, and sometimes it's been really great. Like I said, I love John Delancey. I love his character. And sometimes Q episodes have been great and sometimes not so much. And I'm like, I wish we had something different. That's what I wish. Okay. You know, bring all back right. Tom Riker. Scott, please. Your thoughts on all the stuff that's. Okay. Uh, okay, Mance. Oh, come on. Come on. Like <laughs> Tom Riker, I, one of my favorite episodes of Next Generation is Second Agreed. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, Jonathan is great in, uh, in that episode. I love that one. Um, well, Steve, I see your point about. I'm just going to go backwards, uh, Steve, mm. because Steve is c- kind of right. Uh, I just felt like. Okay, you're gonna have a bonus scene to tease, and the Q thing has been kind of played out. I'm like, I wasn't dissatisfied with it, mm. but I it, I didn't have that moment that I had at the end of the first Iron Man when Nick Fury, uh, mm. ret- you know, recruits Tony Stark to start the Avengers Initiative. I didn't have that kind of like, holy Toledo, that was awesome. I thought it was cool. I definitely love the cut when Rafi says, okay, so what's your order? Make it so, take us out. And the camera zooms in on her and she talks and you see the Enterprise like speed off into warp. I love that we don't know. So of course, at the Q&A the other night, in front of everybody, I said, okay, Jerry, what did, (laughs) what was Seven's order? And she says, I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> so I just love it. I just look, there's so much, there's so much to tease like that. This is not the end. This is not the end of the road. Mm-hmm. More will be coming. I guarantee you as much as, as much as I guarantee that John Roca will return to enterprise incidents. <laughs> that is how much I guarantee that you will see a new Star Trek series, like oh. legacy ish. You know, not Starfleet Academy, not Section 31, which I'm which I'm excited about. But, you know, the kind of Star Trek that we're really, really looking forward to. Um, But, you know, all all, all the stuff, uh, you know, with the car game, I thought was great because it it throws back to the end of all good things. Yeah. You you could just see how much these characters and especially these actors playing them really do love each other. You know, the span between encounter at Farpoint to uh, to the last generation was 36 years. Just to put it into perspective, the, the, the span between the man trap and the undiscovered country for TOS was o- only 25 years. Mm. So you've got this much, much greater span that made all of these moments that closed out the series finale of Picard so rewarding and... You know, yeah, I kind of wish, you know, maybe the Titan, you know, maybe kept its name. I do Mm -hmm. love seeing the Enterprise on the hull. I love Q. I love John Delancey. Maybe that was was a little bit of a, you know, like a notch down after Mm -hmm. a 10. But I still loved every minute of it. And uh, this has been said so many times, gentlemen, here and elsewhere. But 
this series finale really did stick the landing. Yeah. Yep. Steve, if it had been Wesley, would that have been better? Not as Q, but just replacing Q and him, like welcoming him to the Federation. Oh, maybe having a back and forth. Would you have enjoyed that? I, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Might have been more in the vein. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on all of the things that happened? Yes, uh, Captain. Yes, yes. Admiral. Uh, yes. Well, first of all, um, I was very happy that Tuvok was okay. Yes, you were. I've been very concerned about it, and I'm very happy. That he was fine. I was glad to see him. Mm. Um, but then, as happy as I was, I was very sad because I realized 30 <laughs> seconds in that I was going to have to come onto the show and say that Roka was right, which is truly my least favorite thing to do. <laughs> but yes, Roka was right. Shaw knew that Seven was Captain Material long before I thought he did. So he is an even better guy than I thought he was. And so I'm happy to report yeah. that. This is one of the very few times that Roka was right. Um, and like I said before, I mean, having being a Voyager fan, I, I got all the emotions. Like Jerry Ryan listening to Shaw, Seven of Nine listening to Shaw yeah. say that she was captain material. And then Tuvok saying resignation denied captain. Whew, it got me. Like it yeah. fully, fully got me. It was just, it was so good. And then... Even though Raffi's journey with her family throughout seasons one, two, and three of Picard has not been, I thought, the greatest storytelling. Yeah, it's been that strong. I right? think that um, they stuck a landing on something that wasn't the strongest story. And they mm. struck it because they didn't just make it about Raffi's family, but they made it about Worf and Raffi's relationship. That Worf did this thing that was above and beyond to sort of fix his friend's life. And when they had that goodbye with each other, I thought it was just really, really lovely. And then you followed that up immediately with just some classic next generation comedy with Data and Deanna. <laughs> like Data just like, oh, I've got feelings now. Let me hold you hostage for two hours while I talk about my shit. Daily, daily. And, and, and Troy being like, yeah okay and then and then just that little final button with troy and Riker, where data leaves and he's like it's fucking crazy right like like they just have that great you're like okay these two are good these two are good so all of that was really really lovely um i love a good piece of writing and picard telling jack that names mean almost nothing and yeah. that it's not the picard name that got him the the, the 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 advanced movement through the federation followed immediately by the enterprise reveal and jack leaning in and saying because names mean everything mm -hmm. it was just a plus writing so so good um i i i loved i loved seeing them all on the bridge it felt very very much like uh hey guys this is the show this is the show if you want it yeah. but i want it so i was okay with it um I kind of, I'm a nerd and I'm a geek and I am the fan that they would like to service. So I kind of love that we've created this thing where each captain needs their own thing and that they were like, we're going to tease you up until the last point and then not give it to you. Hmm. Um, but I don't think, I don't think Steve is entirely wrong. And it is a thing that once you establish it as a thing, you have to keep doing that thing for every Star Trek that you Star Trek. Hmm. And eventually you're going to be like, God, jet, j j hey, hey, like you just like you're gonna run out of things to say. Um, as far as the cue of it all, I'm gonna I'm gonna file this under the category of I trust I trust Terry Metalis that he knows sure. what he wants to do. Mm. So 
I don't think that we've like, I'm going to ignore season two of Picard for a minute. Cause I don't think like, I think season two of Picard is just like a, we're just going to admit that nobody really had that. We, that was no good. Mm. Like, so that, that was a return to the Q. Well, that was not a good return to the Q. Well, aside from that Q was in the next generation, you know, like he was, he was there. We haven't gone back to him that, that many times. I mean, he was a key part of all good things, but even that moment with him was kind of left on a, we'll see where this goes with Q. Right. I think Q is a dangerous character. Mm. Uh, having, having written for Discord on My Little Pony, who is basically Q in the My Little Pony world, voiced by John Delancey, <laughs> um, I know how hard it is when you have a character that has all the powers in the world because it's very hard to contain a story around them. But I think if Terry Metalis has a plan for what he wants to do, um, with a character like Q that has been obsessed with Picard and is now obsessed with his son, I feel just like I felt safe with this finale. I feel safe that that will be a Q story worth telling. Hmm. So can I can I jump in because I have an idea? Okay. I'm t- say it really really fast. But so someone brought up, you brought up the idea of Wesley coming back, and hmm. Wesley's been off with the Traveler, learning the secrets of the universe, being able to transcend time and space, and he shows back up. And Jack meets his brother for the first time. And Jack says, so, man, what I mean, should I call you? What do you like? To, should I call you bro? Like, Wes? Like, what do you like to go by? And Wesley turns back and looks at him and says, actually, you can call me Q and disappears. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Or, or what if that, that's the Steve Morris rewrite? We Could all love the Steve Morris rewrite. Love a Steve or, Morris rewrite. <laughs> or, or you could have had the moment where, where, you know, this is the bonus scene and, and, Wesley introduces himself and then Jack says, shut up, Wesley. <laughs> I, mean, that, that, I mean, that I'm into. That I'm into. I will say I wouldn't be surprised if part of what Terry Metalis has planned is that as Wesley Crusher has been off learning all about traveling through space and time and Q is a being that can travel through space and time that whatever story Q has, mm. Wesley as Jack Crusher's half brother could play really easily into that. Um, I'll, the only two things I'll say about the poker scene at the end, it was beautiful and lovely. Yeah. I love that Terry Metalis just let them play poker. Yeah. Like he basically was like, Hey, you guys just play poker and have fun with each other. I'm just going to film it for a minute. And he said, like, I think he said he has like 45 minutes of them playing poker. And it's just like, he'll put it in the B roll, like on, you know, special features. This is the only thing I was, I was fine. Not seeing Janeway. I would have pooped my pants if Whoopi Goldberg had just come around behind that bar and told him to get the fuck out. I I feel like of all like Guinan coming out for that one final moment would have been just like chef's kiss to me. Yeah. Fair point. All right. Now I'm going to chime in. I, I, I enjoyed, I mean, I got emotional uh, with the two box scene for sure. And, and I like the two box like laid out all the shit that they did. And, you know, you guys did this, you guys did this, you guys did this. It was all against the rules, but, we know you. This is why you did it. And then she's like, "Let me stop you. I don't want. Get, we've all been there. Look, if you're gonna fire me, just fucking fire me. Don't give me all this buttering bullshit. I want to get out of here." Uh, and he is like, "No." And then plays that. And, sh- and again, shout out to Todd Stashwick and his performance, recording this, and just kind of the emotions he goes through because initially it looks like he's gonna berate her and say negative things, uh, and he does bring up the way she breaks the rules and all these kinds of things. But then says, "But those are the." Those are the hallmarks of a captain. Those because you juxtapose that with that opening scene of this season when he's like, "Yeah, you two yahoos, cowboys, breaking rules, stealing ships, doing all the things that you're doing." 
And it seemed like he hated people like that. But here he is, like, basically using that as a way to kind of burnish her resume and why he thinks she'd be a great captain. I would argue he probably thinks she might be a better captain than he is. And I have a feeling that that's there as a layer, as an actor that maybe Stashwick was playing, because I think that came through and seeing Jerry Ryan's reaction. And I know Scott brought this up, and I want to reiterate this even more. I think this was also, as we saw with them playing poker, this was also, in a way, Terry Metalis, who we know the story that Terry, like, you know, became friends with Jerry and was giving her the sides when he was a PA. And so they have that connection. I think this was Terry's way of saying to her, like, you are now no more questions, officially accepted and fully part of Star Trek. Throw all that bullshit out that happened in the past. Jerry Ryan is Star Trek. Star Trek is Jerry Ryan enough. And I thought that was great. What a great thing to do for a friend, you know? And so to finally just 100% close the book on the fact of how she got in and all that and just push it all away. She is a captain now of a star of a Starfleet or a Federation starship, but I thought it was great. Um, I, I, I loved them hanging on the bridge, having the cheers moment where they walk out and someone's got to turn the light off on the bridge like they turn the light off on the bar. That was so sweet to have that there. Uh, I love the Jordy situation here, What he's gonna, what, what's going to go f- further with Jordy? I don't know where we're going, but I'm excited to see that with his daughters and all that. What are we going to get? Data here, that's so funny. Like you said, the, the, her, her flipping through the vacation spots was really funny. But then we get this conversation where they're on the bridge or they're on the shuttle there going in and the conversations are happening and Jack pacing back forth. We have hard talking about, oh, yeah, I walked, what, a light year waiting for my first assignment and all of that. But then we see the emotion of Picard. And this is a way also Picard gets a little bit of acceptance, too, for the character in this moment, a guy who had pushed himself out onto the vineyards, who had pushed himself away from the Federation, away from his family and his friends. Here he is being accepted back into the Federation by them renaming the ship. I know some of you may not like it. I liked it. I like Picard. I like it. Titan, sorry. I don't have 35 years of love for you like I have for Jean-Luc Picard. So I'm okay with them renaming the ship in that way. For me personally, no problem if you had an issue with it. I just liked it uh, overall. The Q, uh, and, and I love the warrior to warrior stuff between Rafi and Worf. That was just great it was really sweet them honoring each other him releasing that stuff and michael you made an excellent point a storyline that was kind of wonky for two seasons and seemed like thrown in to give her some drama as a character they found terry found a way to streamline it and hit the mark exactly right so you got the feels for that emotion and Worf calling himself you know this really cool maverick who did things like this it's perfect but the honor Worf gives rafi is like the show giving honor to Michelle Hurd for the work that she's done. Cause sometimes she's been criticized. That character has been criticized. And I feel like that was Worf, Michael Dorn, the legendary Michael Dorn, who's been on more Star Trek shows than almost anybody saying to Rafi, saying to Michelle Hurd, you know, go be with your family. You've done, you've done the great work here. You are a part of this. And then when she ends up on the ship as the number one with, uh, with um, uh, seven of nine, I thought was another way of just fully accepting Michelle Hurd once and for all into star trek no more questions and i thought all of that worked really really well the q stuff i can see how some people might have an issue with it but for me personally what terry was able to do with this season i'm like okay let's see what you do with q if you get a star trek legacy i have now expectations that you will knock it out of the park and redeem like he redeemed the next generation from that nemesis movie he redeemed him by giving him a giving him a fantastic send-off 
he could do the same thing with that Q story from Picard season two and do a different thing here that redeems I mean, Q back into a better light and gives him a good send off as well. I know, I know there are people out there that felt like, oh, here we are, it's the Borg all over again with yeah, this, yeah. which no, I would right. disagree yeah, with because I felt because I felt like we did the Borg in a really different way. But mm -hmm. I do think Terry Metalis and season three of Picard kind of told, in my opinion, it has like it's the final Borg story. Like, I don't think yes, there's another Borg story yeah. after that. I think you took something that you're like, we've gone back to the Borg a lot of times between Next Generation and Voyager and everything else. And I think right. I think this was like, we've closed the book on the Borg. We clearly have closed the book on Next Generation here. Like, we have said, yeah. this is the final story. This is them. This is their happy ending. So if he wants to tell the final Q story, mm. I'm down. Yeah. Like, I don't want anyone else to do it. I'd prefer he do it. So why don't we just let him do it? Possible. Very possible. Um, all right. Well, it's uh, two last stream labs here. Hannah, Adam Jimenez said, my takeaway from season three is that, oh yeah, we already said that. Sorry about that. Vegetable Tube said, love Picard season three. Congratulations to Metallus and his writing room team. Look forward to Captain Seven and the crew on the Enterprise G. And then Brian Brawler sent in something saying, this is strictly because Michael referenced Baymax. There you go. Good, You're welcome. And I hope that you too are satisfied with your care after watching this live episode. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Well, let's go around the horn. Steve, your final thoughts on this season uh, of Picard um, uh, here in our in our universe. Uh, I liked it. Um, <laughs> All right. Um, I think, so again, I just want to highlight uh, two. One is how much they hit. So in addition to mm. just having all the references from Antov Chekhov and all sorts of references to all sorts of Star Trek, just yeah. putting that aside, you have, I think, the most consistently good characterization of Worf we've ever had in anything. Great point. Top to bottom through the whole yeah. series. I think we saw more depth in Riker than we ever saw top to bottom in the whole series. And then you had things like Data finally, I think, delivering on the promise of what we really wanted from him. They had parts of him gaining emotions in various episodes, yeah. in various movies. But this was the one, the unification of Data, and in particular, him smiling as he drives the Enterprise into the Borg ship, where it's like, we finally have given Brent Spiner what he deserved. Yeah. You have relationships like the Geordi Data relationship that they absolutely nailed and made really moving and powerful. You had Picard and Beverly with that brutal scene where he finds out that she's lied to him about the sun mm -hmm. and them resolving their relationship. You have Picard and Riker. You have Picard and Jack and his son and all the internal stuff of Picard and his loneliness and him coming to the end of that and coming to the end of his conflict with the Borg. You have Seven of Nine and Shaw. You have Shaw's relationship to Picard. I mean, these are all the things this is delivering. Rafi, who I think is great, who's a character who I've always liked, mm -hmm. didn't always like how she was written. And here's the thing. Scott knows, and I've said it many times, my favorite Star Trek series is the original series. Mm -hmm. That doesn't change. But one of the things that Scott and I have talked about a lot is the batting average. Mm -hmm. Is It's not just how many great episodes are there, but how many not so great episodes are there. And while season one and season two of the original series are fantastic, there are some real losers in there. And while, you know, Next Generation has as many, if not more, great episodes of Star Trek than the original series, I think its batting average is uh, pretty mixed, particularly in the first two seasons. Season three of Picard has the best batting average of any Star Trek ever. There is no weak episode. There's no episode. I would say there's no episode that isn't really, really good. The worst it gets is really, really good. And most of them are excellent. Yeah. That is absolutely amazing. Fair point. Well, 
in all Scott fairness, Lee? in all fairness, you're you're talking about a season of ten episodes. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Twenty nine episodes of season right. one of the original series. Twenty uh, six episodes of season two of the original Good series. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the next generation, except for season two, there were twenty six episodes. That's where a, a writer strike was going on in nineteen eighty eight. Right. You have twenty twenty six episodes of of next gen 26 episodes of d space nine and so on so but i agree that every episode of this final season of Trek picard was absolutely great there's not a dud in the bunch uh i you know just like steve my favorite star trek of them all is still the original series it is yeah. informed who informed who i am as a person followed close behind by next generation and deep space nine but this final season of picard is the best Star Trek has been since Deep Space Nine and since Star Trek First Contact. Mm -hmm. And I got to say that this is no slouch at all to the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, first season of which I really, really, really enjoyed. But there were a couple episodes in there that weren't so hot. But every episode of this final season of Picard has been great. This, this is, I mean, yeah, you talk about, you know, that's the return of the king, of Star Trek. It is also a 10 hour next generation movie. Yes. It is a movie. It's not just a series that is streaming on Paramount Plus, which is very, very cool. And I'm actually streaming it right now while uh, I sound <laughs> off while I'm talking to you guys. But it is epic. It is cinematic. You can watch this on the big screen like many people have, and it fits. Terry Metallus did a spectacular job. The cast, the production design, Dave Blass, having Doug Drexler, Michael Kuda, and Denise Kuda come back to do uh, some of the production design, especially on the Enterprise D bridge was great. Having the score, the music was fantastic. Every performance was top-notch. Mm. Star Trek has always been overlooked by the Emmys. The original series was nominated twice for outstanding drama series, the first and second season, not the third. Leonard Nimoy was nominated for supporting actor for each season he played Spock. Mm -hmm. The only Star Trek series to win best series is the animated series, which <laughs> won a daytime Emmy in 1975. Uh, of course, we will talk about that at some point on Enterprise Incident, Steve. Mm -hmm. um, but it is time. It is time for the TV Academy to recognize Star Trek in ways more than just visual effects or, yeah. or, you know, craft stuff. It is time for them to honor Star Trek as a dramatic series for writing, for certainly performances, especially when it comes to Jerry Ryan and Jonathan Frakes. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a Star Trek has been in decades and, uh, you know, we still have season two of Strange New Worlds to look forward to on June 15th. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> it's a really great time to be a Star Trek fan, and it has never been better than it is right now. Talking about the series finale of a card with the three of you guys. Gentlemen, agreed. Mikey, your final thoughts, uh, season three. Look, we talk about a lot of stuff on here, and we'll talk about seasons of shows that we didn't love all of it, and we've talked mm -hmm. about seasons of shows that we really thought were great all the way through, but... This is a different thing. Yeah. And this is this is what has made this so much fun. Like every once in a while, a story comes along that just gets every single thing from like the broad strokes to like the minutia exactly right. And you just sort of sit back in amazement. 
and you go, how did this even come to be? Like, mm. how did this thing happen? And I know all you guys, your number one is the original series. I came to Star Trek as like a, a 90s kid. Mm. And even though I went back and watched original series and I love all of the Star Trek films, uh, this is my crew. Like Next Generation is the crew that I became a Trek fan with. And it was always, like I said earlier, such a disappointment that Nemesis was the final note. Mm. And for this thing to happen and not just happen and make me so happy, but to watch over the 10 weeks that it's come out, the momentum that has built up online and in the ratings and just see everybody come to this show and recognize it for how great it is. Like it's something truly special. And I said this on Twitter uh, last week, but the thing that has been the greatest joy about this is it's like, Star Trek fans, I told my friend this the other day, Star Trek fans have all been hiding in the bushes like the munchkins at the beginning <laughs> of Wizard of Oz. Well, all like Star Wars fans and other fans are like strutting around being like, look at me, I got my TV shows, I got my Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then all the Star Trek fans have been hiding and Picard has brought all of them out on Twitter. Like all the Star Trek fans are like, whoa, we have something to celebrate in such a major way. And I feel like this show has done more and I look I love discovery and I love strange new worlds and I think there's a lot of I mean I I love prodigy like I think there's a lot of really good star trek out there lower decks is super funny but this show has done something really amazing and it's just I'm so grateful that the next generation cast is going out in such a like watching them all play poker in 10 forward yeah that's right. that's the ending that we all wanted and the ending that we needed and I'm glad that we got it yeah, Scotty, it was as the outlaw, it was always a pebble in my boot that there wasn't a Star Trek belt. And Christian always had a Star Wars <laughs> belt in the Schmodown, which was horseshit. I always wanted a Star Trek belt, lobbied for it consistently. He never agreed to do it. It was frustrating. Ah, too bad. It, it's too bad. But yeah, this is, listen, the reason we fall in love with film and television is because of the magic. And we are fans at our core base of things because we seek the magic. These things in a lesser way, are like drugs. We seek the magic. We want to feel the magic. Part of what sometimes corrupts the toxic fandom is this anger that they don't get the magic or they're not feeling the magic. But as fans, we want that. This season was magic. This season was magic from, from the opening bell to the end. It was magic. I agree. Not one episode fell down. Not one episode didn't work or felt like filler or was a waste. I could go back right now today and watch all 10 episodes back to back. And that's something I rarely would do with anything. But because of the emotion, but not just the emotion, the scripts, the writing, the um, intelligence behind this thing, it all worked so well. And walking that tightrope of weaving the past into the future in the present of the show worked so well as well and gave us all great final moments with these all these fantastic characters who have given us as star trek lovers great moments in our lives in formidable times in our lives maybe taught us lessons and taught us things that we've used going forward in the future so to give them the proper send-off with a season like this was just fantastic and you know especially someone with the incredible grace and talent of patrick stewart to get to have a final season where this beloved character gets to have this one fantastic final adventure and with everyone on board going uh, forward as well was just great uh, to top to bottom. So I'm not going to say more than Terry Metalis, 
We all fucking love you on this show. And we all thank you for promoting our reviews here on the Geek Buddies. And we also want to say thank you for giving us this season of television because we've enjoyed it um, every single second. So thank you very much. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's our spoiler review for Picard. I'm sad to see it go. I'm going to be emotional. I'm going to watch that finale two or three times this weekend. I'm sad to see it go. But we are uh, we are looking forward to seeing what's coming to in the future to boldly go where this franchise uh, has never gone before. So we're looking forward to seeing what we're going to get there. Thank you all for joining us. Thanks for the Streamlabs Super Chats. Thanks for the lively chat as well. We appreciate it madly. Uh, Scotty, we'll start with you. Where can we find you? Where can people go and see everything you got going on? you got so much going on. Tell us. Okay, well, I'll just got to cut to the chase. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at MovieMance. That's, uh, that's my handle right there, at MovieMance. And tomorrow I'm going to post the link so for everyone who was not able to see yeah. my Q&A with the cast of Starship Picard at the IMAX theater the other night, it's going to be posted tomorrow. So I will share the link Great. on my Twitter handle. So at Movie Mance. And make sure, talking about Star Trek, <laughs> Steve Morris and I, Enterprise Incidents with Scott and Steve, we went through a deep dive of each and every episode of the original series, probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my professional and personal life. Steve has been a great partner. Uh, we are we are now more than halfway through the animated series, uh, of which uh, uh, Steve uh, Johnny will be back on yes. very very soon. But uh, make sure you check out Enterprise Incidents with Scott and Steve. We've had Walter Caney on. We've had William Shatner on our show, and we have also had six times director Ralph Sinetsky for each and every episode he directed, and he is going to be 100 years old on May 1st. And what better way to celebrate the 100th birthday of a legend, a Star Trek director, than by listening to all of the episodes. He joined us for all six of them. That was awesome. Yeah, very much so. Steve, please, where can they find so, you? Going on? Uh, so just to highlight that, the, <laughs> the conversations with Ralph Sinensky were the greatest things you could possibly imagine. The guy's memory way better than mine like was literally going well that was take two leonard flubbed the line on the first take and so we did that i mean like it was crazy having him walk him through through these shows that he directed um you can find me at sr morris and of course uh with my other partner john roca we do the cinephiles and with our guest special guest scott mance we are currently right in the middle of the social network we just released episode one today how many episodes will it be it's not going to be two <laughs> It, it will be at least three. At will least. it make it to four? I don't know. We have not moved quickly, but it's been a great conversation. And, uh, and if you want to reach me, it's SR Morris on uh, Twitter, SR Morris one on Instagram. That's true. The first part was the first 15 minutes of the movie. I don't know. <laughs> <if that's laughs> it you was know what? You we're, make we're... fun of me on our weekly show for talking too much, but come on. <laughs> That's true. It's true. I could hear you talk Mike, all day, Mike. Yeah, Mike Aww. is great. Mike, give us your give us your uh, uh, where people can find you and answer this question: Is Laris still waiting for Ricard to show up? Poor Laris, what's going to go? I on? did think about that, guys. Like he broke up with her. Like, <laughs> like it seems he, like he's with Beverly now, so maybe he's, he's like, good. look, Laris, like. Laris is just out of the picture. Like, like it's it's Picard and Beverly now. Like, I feel bad for Laris. Like, right. she really put up with a lot. Like, she really went through. She's that girlfriend that you had that like you went through all of your issues with, and then you came out a better person at the end, and then you went back to your ex, and you're like, well, now it works because I'm a better person. But it was really like the other person who got you there. Like, Laris did the Lord's work 
But yeah, she did. But Beverly got her got his son. She might be better <laughs> off though. To be fair, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Where can they find? Um, you can find me at. Am, am I doing me or am I doing the whole thing? Oh, that's right. Yes, my, we are Geek Buddies, Michael. Please tell them where they can find us. Everything are going on. Man thinks I'm a guest on his own show. Look at this. <laughs> well, fair enough. You can follow us on Twitter at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. You can follow Mr. Roca at the Roca says. You can follow me at MK Tune. And if you liked this live review today and you want to check out all the other amazing and ridiculous stuff that we're doing here at the Geek Buddies, here is what you can do for us. You can smash that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content he has got going on there. Leave your comments below and let us know what you thought of this season of Picard. You guys have been awesome in the chat, but if you're watching this later, leave your comments below. What did you like? What did you hate? What do you want to see more? What do you hope happens in these hopefully future Star Trek episodes and episode series that are coming up? Um, if you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some comments and some stars. Helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies there you go all right y'all take care of yourselves be well thanks for much thanks so much for joining us on this journey and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode or spoiler review episode here from the geek buddies keep going boldly <laughs> hey! Hey!